Steve Allen. Morning. So now the DG's gone. OK, so good riddance to him. Uh, the Newsnight journalists turn out to be a big pile of rubbish. Honestly, blimey, if you can't even trust the Newsnight journalists, what hope for the rest of the organisation? Doesn't look promising, does it? I was only thinking about it over the weekend, thinking Newsnight with Jeremy Paxman and their journalists turn out to be rubbish. Rubbish. They must be earning a fortune. A fortune. The ju- because they're supposed to be, I'm assuming, at the top of their profession. It's only because I'm having a bit of a moan to start with on the programme. Sorry about that. I'm just... But I was thinking about it, thinking I can't get involved with, with the disabled badge thing because that just drives me insane. And, uh, and Duncan sort of saying exactly what I've said before. But there's so many people who are abusing the system. So now they're, they're trying to tighten it up. But it's very difficult because some people take their, their parents' disabled badge out there. Uh, some people don't have any disability and they're just fraudulent. So, you know, you kind of have to put up with them. I've just accepted the fact now that the majority of people uh, who have disabled badges are fine. There's a small bunch of them, like with every organisation, a small bunch who cheat the system. And those ones, I think if they're actually caught, I think you take the car away. I'd have no hesitation at all taking the car away. I'd, have, I'd, I'd put a crusher in one of these car parks, especially at, uh, at supermarkets. People who drive in, they feel like, say, excuse me, mate, what are you doing parking there? You're not disabled, are you? Get out. It's for disabled people. Ridiculous, isn't it? It is ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> so the DG of the BBC resigns. He was bloody useless. He was useless when he was asked by one of his... Uh, I think he was on Radio 4, whatever that is. I don't know. I wiped the board with him in the morning, so who cares? And I think he was on there, and they were saying, did you not listen to... John Humphreys, no, the, the Today programme. He said, did you not listen to this uh, this pit? No. Were you not aware of it? No. But it was in the papers. Did you not read, did you not read papers? What are you? You know, and then, so he gets followed by... I mean, I felt a bit sorry for him, really, because, you know, he didn't have anything else to do but resign. But when he goes in, he slams the front door. Did you see that on the news? It's so funny, slammed the front door. I thought, bit of a queenie fit there. Come on. So now the BBC in turmoil. They don't know what to do. They've got no idea. Journalists on Newsnight. Quite clearly, the editor should go immediately. Who is the editor of Newsnight? Because he, he should go, or she should go, because they've got a bunch of idiots working there. First of all, they actually don't run a programme that should have been run, and then they run a programme that shouldn't have been run. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and this is flagship programming. Flagship programming. As if, you know, anybody here would make that kind of gaffe. As if anybody here would make that kind of gaffe. You know, and I should imagine our journos here aren't paid half of what what they're paid on Newsnight. Newsnight would be the pinnacle, wouldn't it? You know, you finally managed to make it to Newsnight. Fantastic. What are you? An idiot. You know, it's just... It's just awful. It's just awful. I'll tell you what I did the other day, though. Well, actually, a couple of, a couple of nice things happened to me. First of all, I'm, I'm a bit nosy. In fact, I'm more than a bit nosy. When I actually go to get money out of the diddly-dip machine, you know, you put your card in, you go, diddly-dip, and you, and you type money out. Invariably, there's a piece of paper sticking out of the, of the slot, because the person who's been there before has sort of obviously asked for something and then they haven't done anything. And so I always pick it up and look at it. It goes, you know, this, this person withdrew £120 at so-and-so time and then it puts the balance of the account on. So I, I had I've, a fantastic... At Lloyd's in, uh, uh, in Twickenham the other day, there's a bit of paper, so I, I put my little card in, I take my money out, and I pick up the bit of paper I'm looking at. It's got the last four digits of their card, which is 5352. And uh, I'll tell you that now. And location Twickenham, they took £200 out and then it's got account balance which I was very, very excited about. In their current account, but they've just taken £200 out, £98,733.27. pence. I had to keep it. I thought, that is... I mean, they must be mad. Nobody keeps this much money in a current account. You've got investments. 90, I, I read it twice. 
Because I thought maybe it's £9,873.00. 337 pence, but it's not. It's 98,733 pound at 27 pence. 200 quid and make diddly squat. Isn't that great? So I, I, I kept that just to sort of remind myself that, that there are people richer than me out there and, uh, and using the Lloyd's Bank machine. So then, yes, uh, Saturday? Yeah, Saturday. Friday? No, Saturday. I go to Kingston, and uh, as you know, I like candles. I like Joe Malone candles, I like Penhaligon's candles, and I like the Yankee candles, I like the wax tartlets, and I think they're called the votive candle. Whatever it is, it looks like a little little pillar candle. And they, they, they do all different scents and everything else. And in the window of Clinton's, in the Bentall Centre, they had, it looked like a book, and inside were 12 of these votive candles. And I looked at them, I thought, that's a, that's a, nice, that's a nice present either for me... Or a gift for somebody else. And there was no price on it. So I went inside the shop. Couldn't see any more. They had them in the window. So I picked the one up in the window. And, and it's done in like a Christmas book. Twelve all Christmas scent of these votive candles. And I've got the little jar to put them in. In fact, I just ordered some more last night. I bought ten for I think, nine ninety nine or twelve for one ninety nine, whatever it is. And, uh, and they just dropped them in there. They're really lovely. So I said to the girl at the counter, I said, oh, I said, um, she said, tell me how much this is. It hasn't got price on it. So she scanned it. She went, it's nineteen ninety nine. So I thought, for 12 candles, that's good. Because they're normally a, a few few quid, these things. And so I thought, well, that, that works out quite cheap, quite cheap. So I said, I'll have that. She said, all right. She said, because, because you spent over £15, you get a free teddy. So I said, oh, right, I'll have a free teddy. So I picked up this teddy, which was worth a tenner. So I get the free... So now I've got the 12 candles and I've got the free teddy. And I'm a bit excited by it. And so she said, um, would, you, would you like to donate to our, our breast cancer appeal? It's two pounds two pounds something for uh, for one of these pink pens. So I said, yeah, OK, I'll, I'll buy a pen. I thought I'd save myself some money. She said, because, because you've spent over £30, you get 20% discount. So I thought, I said, you serious? That just doesn't get any better, does it, really? So in the end, I got my 12 candles, a teddy bear and a pink pen, and it came in at £15 something. So I thought I got a bargain. So I said, I tell you what, I'll buy it again. So I bought another load. Of course, she kept forgetting the code to put into the machine. And so I probably could have gone on because you spent over £25. You get this much. So I got 20% off. I thought that was a real good bargain. I was very pleased with it. So I've now got 24 votive candles, two teddy bears and two pink pens. It's not bad, is it? Not bad at all. 84850, uk. Didn't see the Festival of Remembrance, but people I spoke to said it wasn't as good as it was the previous year. Not as good. Although Prince Edward did have a little tear in his eye. It's always at the same moment. They bring on the war widows, and it's the war widows who you just... You know, it's it's that sense of loss. And every year, it's always the bit that they have a little clip of a woman. They had one, I think, the, the last time I went, last year. And uh, her husband had been injured in Afghanistan. They brought him back, and she thought he was going to make it. The, the, every intention... The hospital said, and all the indications were that he was going to make it. And sadly, she'd seen him the day before. She'd taken their little daughter in, and then he died the, de- the next day. And, uh, and so they brought her in first. Out of all the war widows, they sort of... Bring- it was so sad. It was so, so sad. And so this year, again, the war widows... And, you know, some of them are terribly young. You know, they've had their, their men taken. They've gone out to Afghanistan. They've lost their lives out there, some of them ever so quickly. And... Um, and then, all of a sudden, they are widowed at the age of, you know, 20-something. It's just awful. Just awful. Other stories in the papers today. They've named another MP. This one likes smacking boys, apparently. And, um, unfortunately, it doesn't look particularly good for poor old Sally Desperado Burko. Uh, the world's most useless person, apparently, was tweeting 
about Lord McAlpine. So there's a, there's a rumour doing the rounds in some of the papers today that she could be sued. She really is so stupid. She's almost as vacuous as Nadine in the jungle. Somebody wrote a big piece in one of the Sunday papers on what is it about Tory MPs who think that they're above everybody else? They turn out to be complete prats, most of them. I mean, it's really sad that poor old Sally Burke, a woman with no talent whatsoever, a little bit like most of the people on The X Factor. Talking to The X Factor, did you know? I never knew. I saw the boys on there from One Direction. I assumed, with Dermot O'Dreary, that it was live. October they recorded that. They weren't, they weren't anywhere near the studio. And the reason people knew is because they'd seen two of them out walking in Los Angeles. Not hand in hand, but I should imagine it's just around the corner. Yeah, it can't be that far away, can it? You've got a boy band with four people out of five people. There's chances are, I mean, you know, one in four is, so it's got to be one of them. Just finding out which one before we get to Christmas. And so they, they so somebody said, oh, you, you were in Los Angeles. Yeah. When did you do that thing? October. And it turned out that uh, Dawn was out at one of the other recordings and, uh, and she saw somebody. Ed, Ed Sheeran had to be pre-recorded because he had a gig to do. So they pre-record them and then they pretend, they make the judges wear the same thing that they wore, and so it, it's all done, you know, to pretend it's live. Bit naughty, isn't it? A little bit naughty. I miss the Kardashians. Somebody's written a great piece in the mail today about, about the Kardashians. Two people coming in, about a size as midgets, ladies and gentlemen, very, very thin, very, and come in with all this, uh, in this building, with all this security. You know, men, men talking to their wrists, and OK, they're, they're going to the studio now. And all this kind of stuff. Apparently Harry gave them very short, sharp shrift. Because he came in, he said, right, he said, we'll be doing this. And Harry went, no, 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 no. In my building, you'll be doing what I tell you to do. You know, I run this building. And so I thought that was quite good. Because they pitched up everywhere. Crowds of, <coughs> excuse me, girls, desperate to see the Kardashians. They had sort of Rolls Royces. and all. What, what, what talent have they got? Answer, nothing. No talent at all. In fact, as one of the papers wrote today, even listening to their interviews, they're not the brightest pennies in the box, are they? I can barely string two words together. But I suppose in America, when you are sort of plucked from nowhere and then you're sort of shoved into the limelight, it's like footballers. You don't really expect a footballer to be intelligent, do you? And of course you don't. They're generally a bit thick. I've noticed one footballer in the paper this week, I don't know who he is, I can't remember, but his, uh, his, in, his girlfriend, who he's engaged to, is one of those people who works on Babe Station on the television, who lies there with her boobs out all over the place, whispering sweet nothings into a phone to perverts who want to get off, listening to some woman whispering sweet nothings. And, you think, and she's engaged to a footballer. Can you imagine his mum going, what do you do, love? Oh, right, you work on one of those programmes all the time. How lovely. Only one up from prostitution, isn't it? How lovely. What a thrill in the family. Oh, look, we've got a hooker in our family. We're really excited. It's like having, you know, in Blackpool, the latest uh, pageant is apparently Miss Teen Pregnant Beauty 2012. Can't wait, can you, really? 84850, uh What should we do? I know, I'll tell you the time. Not that it makes any difference at all. But if I tell you the time, you promise you're not to go back to sleep. Quarter past four. This is El- and Nicola team with you at uh, seven this morning. Looking at the BBC and looking at uh, whether or not Newsnight can uh, can run in its present form, or whether they just have to axe the programme. Uh, Nick Dubois, Conservative MP for Enfield North, will be looking at the papers today. Somebody said I was texting over the uh, the weekend uh, about uh, my new iPad Mini, which took me about f- literally less than five minutes to actually set up. And somebody says here, um, Steve Allen show. This is Julian Anderson. Julian Anderson, let's see who, who Julian Anderson is. Unfortunately, only got 38 followers, so not, not even very popular, I'm afraid. And, uh, and says, wait, well, I've lost it now. Says, uh, Steve Allen didn't mention Apple gave it to you to buy free advertising. 
I think, actually, that's actionable. I think I might sue you for that. I think I might have to sue you for that, because uh, I paid £279 for it. So I think, Julian Anderson, I think you might be getting a little... Uh, a little thing in the post, because now we know where you are. We know everything about 38 followers. You're not very popular, are you? Poor little soul, honestly. But uh, unfortunately, if you tell lies about people, we sue. You know, it's quite good fun. And then somebody else wrote, actually, somebody called Chuck Finlay. He says, uh, we organised a free taxi shuttle service for the veterans. What did Steve Allen do? Well, we actually plugged it for you, dear. We plugged it, girly. We plugged it. You do it every year. You don't have to make such a big deal about it, unless, of course, you think it's such a big deal. Where they, 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 they do the free cab for the vets. You do it every, every single year. Every single year. It's a bit of a hardship. If you did it every day, I could make it better. Somebody else has said, you know, we organised a free taxi shuttle for all the veterans. And uh, Terry Moore is another one who said, what did you do? And, uh, and then somebody called Sean at Northholt, whatever, perhaps he lives at Northholt, I don't know, far enough, at cheaper property, I suppose, Sean. He says, did you do it, see us today running our war, war vets around? Oh, blimey, it's like running around with a thing on saying, look what I'm doing for charity. I do charity every single day, every single day. He says, bet you don't report that tomorrow. Well, we plugged it first time round because the cab companies always ask us to. Dear me, honestly, a lot of girls out there this morning, aren't you? You really need to grow up a little bit. Get that big chip off your shoulder. It'd be so much better. Uh, I'd gladly be fired, Steve, for 400 grand. Yeah, this is the money that the, the DG got. He, got. he did 55 days, and they paid him a year's salary. So he got 400. Now, whether it's tax-free, I don't know. I don't know. 450,000 quid. It's not bad money, is it? It's not bad money at all. When you consider... But he hasn't actually done anything. He either doesn't listen to the station or watch it. He knows nothing about it at all. And they give him 450 grand. And then he slams his front door in the face of journalists. I mean, I feel a bit sorry for him. I know you can't know everything that goes on. But you should know about something that important. You know, you shouldn't put people on Newsnight who have just told blatant lies. That bloke who claims that he was molested told lies. He's now had to eat humble pie so quickly that it's almost become embarrassing for them. But so many people, they don't realise. I think people think nowadays, well, I tell you what, I'll go to the papers and I'll sell a story about this happened or that happened and, and I don't need to prove it. And it was, it was mistaken. It wasn't him at all. He said, no, it wasn't him. He said, well, why did you go on television then? What were you doing on television? Were you obsessed with the publicity side of it? It's like there, there, there was another one on television show a while ago. I mean, some people, quite clearly, when you watch them, you do get a, a feeling of uneasiness that maybe they're enjoying the attention a little bit too much. And certainly, by the amount of people crawling out the woodwork, out of, say, the 400 people who've come forward, you would, you would work on the assumption that at least half of them have just made it up. They've just made it up because they are those sort of people. You always get it. It's like, strangely enough, whenever you get a big major crime, people want to admit to it. You ask the police, they will tell you that... You remember we had the Yorkshire Ripper and that we, we played on LBC at the time, the tapes. Hello, you won't catch me, Jack. And it was some bloke making it up who was sending tapes out to the media, pretending to be the Yorkshire Ripper, writing letters and everything. You think, you're mentally ill. You need help. You need help. Luckily, they did actually find him because it doesn't really take too long to find these people. They've either got accounts or they've used a telephone. Who was it? Was somebody was telling me the other day. That's right. Somebody had, had, uh, had done something. They, they'd made a threat against somebody. But they'd used their own phone, which, of course, is traceable immediately. It's not difficult. It's not dif If you use a computer, you know, you could use one in a shop. They can find you within seconds. Use it at home. They've got your IP address. They know exactly where you are. 
They know everything about you. They can turn your computer off. They can do anything they like. And people think, oh, they'll never find me. Find you within seconds. And then you put them in court. That's what you do. 84850 uk, And, um, interesting, somebody said that when they were watching the Festival of Remembrance, Prince Andrew appeared to have more medals on than some of the war veterans. Yes, he does seem to be adorned with them. What makes me laugh is the fact that Prince Edward turns up. I don't know what colour his uniform was. Was that red or... I've never seen it before. I don't think he was wearing red last year. It looked like sort of a, an overused dressing gown that they'd stuck him in, poor soul. 84850, uk. We uh, weave everything in on the programme this morning for you. And uh, went to Comet, says Nicky. Try and get a good deal on a laptop. The staff were completely gormless. What'd you go there for, then? You kind of defeated your own object. I told you last week. The reason that Comet are closing is because they're rubbish. They're rubbish. That's why they're closing. If they're really good and the staff are interesting, no, no, no. So she says there wasn't one laptop worth buying. What would you go there for? I mean, God, blimey, you're not listening to LBC. I've told you before, the shop is closing because it was rubbish. They weren't really offering great deals. They had, you know, things that... I mean, it's, it's, it, the, the, the answer is, if you have a sale for a company that's closing down, they're not offering it for peanuts. They're, they're trying to get money back for people who might lose loads of money in it. So that's the whole idea. So you're not going to get a bargain from Comet. And also, what do you think the after-sales service is going to be? Answer, non-existent. They're not going to give you any after-sales service. They don't care. Why should the staff care? They're losing their jobs. They're losing their jobs. Some of them are going to work in Dixon's. Lesser of two evils, as far as I'm concerned. Mark in Liverpool says, Anybody caught, Steve, using a disabled badge illegally should not have their car crushed, but auctioned the proceeds going to disabled societies. Oh, that's a thought. I quite like that one, actually. That's about the best one we've had, I think, so far. That's a good idea. Yeah, auction the car and then give the money to, to charity. What a good idea. What a very good idea. What a very good idea. Somebody said to me the other day that we were looking at... We were sitting behind uh, a black taxi because the week before I was sitting in one, and he had a sat-nav on the front, and I thought, it seems a bit pointless having a sat-nav, doesn't it, in a, in a, in a taxi, when, they, when they, they, they know where they're going, or well, they're supposed to know where they're going. But in fact, nowadays, when they, when they first did the knowledge, we didn't have sat-navs. Now you've got a sat-nav, you just type in where you're going, and it'll take you there. It doesn't, you know, all right, so it doesn't tell you the quickest route, but they're not bothered about the quickest route. I mean, they'd be bothered about the quickest route. Once you've got a fare in the back of the cab, that's just your living, that's what you do. And I keep seeing more and more cabs with sat-navs in it, and I think, there must be parts of London where they're probably got the faintest idea where they're going. But it kind of defeats you. I can go anywhere in London. I can go... I've been driving in London for 40 years. <clears throat> I mean, admittedly, some of them I was a child, but I was driving in London. And you think, you know, with, with a sat-nav, you can go anywhere. It tells you exactly where you're going. They're so brilliant now. They run, you don't need to waste time doing three years doing the not. What's the point of that? Very archaic. Just give somebody a sat-nav and send them out on the road. Manages to work in in other countries. In New York, you can get a, a badge to drive a taxi in a matter of an hour. And I know that for a fact, because it was interesting. Jonathan Ross did a, did a programme about uh, New York, and he went there to see if he could get a, a yellow... One of their, their badges for driving one of their yellow vile cabs, they are. Filthy, dirty. They are the most... Dis- That's why everybody takes limousines. You only really take a yellow cab if you're really desperate in New York. And, um... And he managed to get one quite easily, and he then displayed it. He said, I can now go out and go and drive a taxi. <laughs> Very simple. I thought, yeah, lovely. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. For the Festival of Remembrance, says Alan, was the Bishop of Manchester wearing that cape for a dare? I didn't see that one, actually. You notice how sparse the royal box was this time round. There weren't enough... There weren't really enough people in the in the royal box because Charles and Camilla were off on a freebie. Sorry, doing uh, one of their, their regal tours. I think... Uh, 
Harry was uh, lording it up in some bar somewhere with his mates in Afghanistan. Uh, who else wasn't there? There's quite a few people not there. And somebody said to me, said, the Queen appeared not to know the words of the, of the final hymn. I said, well, I think she knows she's being watched all the time, and that's why she sort of, she doesn't like to appear to be singing. I don't think she sings. Apparently, at one point, Prince, Prince Philip, I thought, started to laugh at one of the inappropriate... That's where they all do the hip-hip, hooray! And they all take their hats off and swirl them round for the, for the Queen. But having been there, it's a fantastic, fantastic thing to do. It really is. It's wonderful. Well, I'll tell you what we do. Let's, let's whiz through the place. We've got your texts and emails to go through. 98 grand. 98 grand. Incidentally, we had our figures meeting the other day. It was all very exciting. And, uh, and we looked at the figures for this programme, as because unfortunately for me, I start the day. So the, so the day's figures start. Duncan was there. Can't have much sleep, poor soul. But um, it was quite exciting. I got a huge round of applause and, well, you know, made you big-headed and all the rest of it. You know, why? Because the, the spike. I said, look at the spike on that. And it was the audience figures. It's all done in bar graphs. And, uh, and it's absolutely enormous. It's the first time that a programme on LBC has overtaken the BBC Radio 4. Absolutely wiped the floor with them. So I was very pleased about that. Very... <coughs> <coughs> brought my cough back on again. So very excited about that. So he said, um, my boss said, and I think Steve had... Yep, a huge round of applause. So I got a huge round of applause for that, which was very exciting. Then I was duty-bound to sort of clap for everybody else at the same time. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. As, uh, come in. Bearing in mind, they've been out there for a week or so. And, um, and Helen Flanagan, she was the useless actress in Coronation Street. She was the one who couldn't act for Toffee. Then used to get loads of coverage about, oh, isn't she marvellous, isn't she gorgeous, and this, which, of course, doesn't help your acting. And so she started believing the publicity, so she's come out, and uh, she couldn't get a job, so she's gone into I'm a Celebrity. <coughs> but, uh, and she's already started doing the showering bit. And, of course, it appeals to all the, uh, the papers when they go, Jungle Helen's secret sex plot. I think she's going to have a breakdown before she gets as far as a secret sex plot. I mean, she couldn't stop crying the other day, a little bit of a drip. We were having a debate in the office. We decided whether or not we thought she was actually great looking or whether it's a bloke in drag. And we've decided it's a bloke in drag who's taken hormones because uh, it's one of the pictures was terrible of her. Terrible of her. But anyway, nice to see she's got in the shower very quickly. I think she's got a DVD coming out, a fitness DVD. Perhaps it'll be on how to be emotional, you know, and get through a programme and convince everybody that you're really in- interesting. I see the Tower of London, the guards there. You know, they're not allowed to move. So they were burgled the other day, and the bloke got in and pinched their keys. He scaled two huge gates, ransacked a metal box that was meant to have been locked at a sentry post, spotted but amazingly got clean away as the guards were unable to leave their post, radioed for help, only to be ignored. Oh dear, not very good, is it, down at the tower? Come on, boys! Grief! A heavy bunch of keys included ones to unlock drawbridges, plus others of the conference rooms and the restaurant. Tower chiefs were forced to spend thousands urgently changing the locks, you see? See, I just thought they were down there because they look pretty and they have their picture taken with tourists. They go, I'm a beef eater. Unfortunately, we can't move from here. So uh, heads will roll, they say. Not the first time that they've been burgled. Remember, the crown jewels were nicked 341 years ago. They're still smarting over that one. Colonel Blood got him. Is it Colonel Blood? I think it was, yes. Colonel Thomas Blood. He smashed the keeper of the jewel house where the treasures were stored over the head and then squashed down the state crown of Charles II. It's LBC 97.3. It's 4.30. With Steve Allen. Morning, 27 minutes to uh, five. Somebody says, uh, Gary says, how can you be driving in London for 40 years when you're only 37? I said I was driving as a child. I was driving, you know, very young. I was being pushed around. <laughs> oh, dear. Over on the X Factor, we finally kicked out uh, 
District 3. I believe they were one of uh, Louis Walsh's little uh, little bands. Uh, Louis refused to send either of his acts home, but they got the boot when Gary Barlow and Nicole Scherzinger saved Union J. What a stupid name for a group, isn't it? Uh, and District 3's worst performance of the day, but Louis insisted they were a ready-made pop act. Like your other crap act you've got, Jedward. God, blimey, I mean, honestly, the rubbish that comes out. It's amazing, isn't it, really? Uh, and also, uh, X Factor bosses have read Christopher Maloney, The Riot Act. That's the fake one. You know, the one who couldn't remember he worked on cruise ships and, anyway, he's in the paper bemoaning about this and that. You don't have a career, Mr Maloney. I'm ever so sorry. You can't sing. You really are too dreadful for words. And uh, you, you must go home. You must go home and stay home. And don't bother about ever being in the business ever again. You are tone deaf. You and Rylan, whatever his name is, the ugly model, you know, you cannot sing. Neither of you. You're not even good karaoke, and that's about as good as X Factor gets, I'm afraid. It's karaoke. You're not really good enough for that. How you ever worked on a cruise ship, I'll never know. The standards must have been particularly low. Particularly low. Uh, other stories in the papers today. It's not a really great day, actually, because it's, uh, it's you know, it's, it's mainly sort of picking up after the weekend and some of the stories that ran then. And we'll have lots in the free podcast for you a little bit later on. My God, they're going through the roof, these podcasts. Somebody was saying to me the other day, I'm now topping since, what is it, a few months back? Now, so nearly one and a half million downloads. So I'm very pleased about that, actually. Thank you very much indeed for downloading. Very, very grateful. Uh, and end twistles on a huge pension. Mind you, Mark Thompson was on 650 grand a year. I don't know what they earn at the BBC. I shouldn't imagine he'll actually get a pension. He's only been in the job for 55 days. That's why they've given him his, his year's salary. He, he, won't be getting a, he won't be getting a pension as well. There's also a, a doll that's come out now. It's a dissolve to look like a desperately ill, premature baby. <laughs> I mean, I've seen them all, believe me. Over the years, we've had dolls that laugh, cry, wee, the other bit. They do everything. And, uh, and there's a doll here. This is a lifelike creation. It costs up to £800 each. Um, and... Uh, it's and the intensive care pack that goes with it is thirty five quid. Strangely enough, charities have blasted the growing trend, saying exporters of the American kits even profit from families who want to remember their dead babies. So Williams of Adapt says it's sick. The dolls aren't comforting. They only extend the grieving process. A mother who lost one of her newborn twins posted on New Mums. I'm disgusted. What kind of sick and twisted individual does this? Well, they can't be sick and twisted. They're very lifelike. They're very, very lifelike. There's another doll as well, which is somebody... And it encourages breastfeeding. It's a breastfed dog. as A, a dog. Doll. And you think, there's all sorts of strange things out there, aren't there? But, I mean, this one looks... It looks very lifelike. But why shouldn't people see... Perhaps people like this sort of thing. Have you seen these other very realistic dolls that really do look very realistic and people go and buy them? And there's this woman, I think, in Essex who makes them. And they've got... They're really, really lifelike. They just look like they're sleeping. Sleeping babies. And I looked, I thought they were a bit frightening, actually. But this one, it looks very good. But then if you've, if you've lost a child, you might, I don't know. I, don't, I, I mean, wouldn't appeal to me and probably wouldn't appeal to most of you. But there might be somebody somewhere going, oh, that's a nice thing to have. I lost a child, in, you know, in intensive care. I mean, I, I don't know, bide either. But it comes with breathing tubes and everything. And it's, it might be sick, of course, if, unless you've lost a child. In which case, that might be the thing that you need to, uh, to comfort you. Might be. Uh, the Tragedy of Singer's First Big Romance is a, a, um, an autobiography by Andros Giorgio about George Michael. Andros Giorgio has been around for ages and ages. I mean, I promise you, ages and ages. And uh, he's known George Michael. I mean, whether this is done with his permission, I've got no idea. It says it's uh, an autobiography, The Luckiest Man in Pop. 
George Michael, <coughs> living the lie for years. Let's sing songs about me going out with women, but in fact, really, we're going out with men. So we just have to suspend belief on this one. And um, it's, I, I read a bit of it yesterday. I don't think it was that exciting. Mind you, we went through Selfridges, and I was amazed at how many autobiographies there were out, and biographies of people who've only been alive for a short space of time. There was one particular, I won't say who it is, but uh, it's somebody I know. And I said, I said to a friend I was with, I said, I can't believe that they've got an autobiography out. They haven't been alive that long. Why would you have an autobiography out? Who would, who would buy it? Quite, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff out. You know, the stuff from Billy Connolly and Pamela Stevenson and, you know, all sorts of well... But there's some people who've just won a medal. Because they won a medal at the Olympics, they bring out an autobiography. Who gives a stuff? Who cares? So you ran faster than somebody else. Why does that warrant a book? You know, I wouldn't be remotely interested in buying anything like that, but I suppose somebody must be, wouldn't they? For somebody must be. I love um, Adrian and Gillian Bayford. Now, you remember who they are, don't you? See, you don't remember them, do you? Already you've forgotten. Adrian and Gillian, uh, the people who back in August won £148 million on the lottery. And they've just splashed out on a Downton Abbey-type mansion. £6 million, a listed stately home. They're going to have to take on staff, but they've got £148 million, who cares? And uh, one local said, they're certainly moving up in the world. It's like Downton Abbey. We look forward to welcoming them. You know, which is nice. But to be honest with you, it can't be that much, can it? I mean, I looked at a house the other day on Richmond Green. It's £11.5 Not to buy it, I just looked at it. But that's £11.5 on Richmond Green. And they bought here. It just shows how far out. The further out of London you go, the more you can buy. So they spent £6 million on this. And, um, and, and, and they've got a, you know, I'd, I'd want to show everybody, wouldn't you? If you, had a, if you had a really big mansion, I want to show people what it was. I'd be very interested. Uh, weather for today. Dry start, chilly, bright spells, cloud increasing, outbreaks of light rain spreading east in the afternoon. And uh, the high today, 10 degrees centigrade. So it's going to be a bit chilly. Currently, it's four. Tonight, rain in the south becoming mainly dry elsewhere. Cloudy and mild. Minimum 10 degrees centigrade. Lovely. I like the idea of £148 million. <laughs> it's taken them a long time. Is it? Well, no, probably not. Hasn't, hasn't really, has it? If they won the money back in in August and they've just bought their, their mansion now, at least they've probably done the right things. There's a, a bloke here in the paper, Christian Drummond. He makes 60 grand a year doing what? He plays pub quiz machines. Now, I used to go out and play pub quiz machines, and all the pubs I used to go to, years ago this was, when they first came out, it was all students. They would sit round the, the pub quiz machine, and they would do quizzes. You get professional quizzers, people who seem to know the answer to everything, and I'd start playing these quiz machines, and you'd think, oh, I'll get... And then all of a sudden, it would chuck in a sport question, of which I knew nothing. A couple of them I knew, but I was, I was really rubbish at it. But he makes 60 grand a year. He's got no other income... But he wins enough to pay all his bills with plenty left over from holidays. He's got a degree in English Lit. So that's what he does for a living now. That's what he does for a living. I don't think he's ever actually done anything. But uh, he's memorised all 500 Dickens characters, the number of sets in every Wimbledon final, and the population of African cities. He says, my wife didn't believe what I did for a living, he said, but now she believes me. So he goes round and he plays quiz machines. He must have pocket full of pound coins, mustn't he? Because that's what it, I don't know how the, the quiz machines play up over here. But he says, uh, he, says he's, he reckons he's visited 10,000 pubs. He says, if I run out of pubs in one city, I just head to another. So that's what he does for a living. That is what he does for a living. He, he just plays pub quiz machines. God, that, he's a wow at parties. We like that. It, 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 am I five? Good old Daphne. We love Daphne. I watched her the other day. There were a few, few questions they didn't know the answers to which I thought was particularly good. I was very excited by that, because I always hate it on eggheads when they know everything. 
You know, you just hate it. You think to yourself, oh, please, please don't know something. Just make it more interesting as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so, one big fake, front of the mirror today. This is uh, the X Factor and One Direction's live slot recorded. Uh, looking fantastic. And that's uh, Kate, Wills' wife. She does look good, you know. It doesn't matter what she wears, she looks very good in it. And uh, we all do the the thing with, with the poppies and uh, the cenotaph. People stand there. I think the Queen's amazing for 86. Absolutely amazing. Ian says, watching the remembrance service from the cenotaph yesterday makes me proud to have served in the Air Force. Oh, it's fantastically done, isn't it? Somebody said to me, do they have to rehearse it? I said, no, but they come in the night before. The, uh, the soldiers come in and rehearse their bit. But uh, the rest of it, the royal family know what they're doing. She stands there, then somebody comes across. It's all done, you know. She's been doing it God knows how many years. They just give her the wreath, she steps forward, and then everybody else's wreath goes a bit further down till you get to Prince Andrew, and it's practically on the pavement, poor soul. Uh, a lovely lady has died. I'll mention her because her name's Lottie Goodwin. Lottie Goodwin, what a lovely name. Lottie, I love that name. Lottie Goodwin. And uh, she was 100 years old, and she was an extra. She walked on in Emmerdale, Coronation Street, and um, she used to get up at 4.30 in the morning and stay on set until 7.30 to, uh, to 8 o'clock at night. And she died aged 100. In an interview, she says, uh, I always assume people don't see me because they're watching the main characters, but I still get people stopping me, and sometimes they even ask for my autograph. That's sweet at the age of 100 that people would actually stop and ask for somebody's autograph because they've seen her as an extra in Emmerdale. I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known her either. In fact, looking at a picture of her, I still wouldn't know her. Because <laughs> they used to have people in Emmerdale. When it first started, and it, it was really centred around the Woolpack and Annie Sugden's kitchen, you used to have extras in the pub who would sit there nursing a pint, not saying a word, because they weren't allowed to speak. Because if you spoke, you got money, and so they weren't allowed to speak. So you'd have people... Just, move, just moving their mouth, but not actually say anything. So there'd be a couple here sitting down chatting, and then the the uh, and then but not saying anything. And then the other people you could hear quite clearly, and you think, why can't we hear the other people? The answer is because they're not saying anything. That's why it must it must be really funny whenever they do a scene in Home and Away, and it's set in a disco. You get all these people dancing like that, but they're dancing to imaginary music because the music is so low. Because you've got to hear the people who you're listening to. So I always watch them. I think that's quite clever, that, isn't it? Dancing to nothing. Like, la, 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 like that. Because the couple at the front are going, so I said to her, so, because they're just doing it in a normal voice. They don't have to shout over the top of it because the music's so low. <laughs> Brilliant. I'd mention that now. Uh, the boys wouldn't admit it. But if we have a weekend off, we do miss each other. This is uh, One Direction. And um, we couldn't leave the, the, uh, the studio. So me and Louis climbed on top of the roof. Says Zane. Because the trouble is, on their new video, they're, they're sort of behaving like, you know, like teenage boys. But in fact, I mean, they're actually, they're actually getting on a bit now. And they've started to look a little bit older. Lots of pictures of them, of course, are airbrushed, you know, cover up the spots and stuff like that. So lots of makeup. And uh, the hair is teased into shape because they have to sell the wholesome image. But, of course, they don't really have a wholesome image. You know, one of them will take their, their shirt off. I can't remember who it is, actually, at the moment. But uh, what, what they do is they, they, they've started looking... I mean, even the picture, which is in the mirror today, is an old picture. Because one of them shaved his hair off. And uh, in this picture, he hasn't. 
He's got a full head of hair. So this is an old stock library picture taken ages ago. Probably the interview could have been done ages and ages ago. But uh, to watch when they know video where, ooh, you know, we're all just young and all the rest of it, they aren't anymore. They're now starting to look a little bit old. So how much longer it goes on for, I do not know. I do not know. Uh, X Factor winner Leona Lewis has hit out at deplorable people who betrayed her trust. More on that in a minute. And also the teenage burglars who were jailed after police found photos of them posing with a stolen sawn-off shotgun. <gasps> we'll name the Saddos from Welsh Wales after this. This is Elbersation with Steve Allen. Morning, 13 minutes to five. Monday morning. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it? When the alarm went off this morning, I remember thinking, I'm sure I've only just climbed into bed. I'm convinced I've only just climbed. And it went off, and I was talking to, uh, to Aunt Payne, who, you know, does the... Uh, the rival programme to mine over on our sister station, Capital. So I have to walk round there because he's in one bit of the building, we're in another, but I have to go past him to come to our studios. So you bump into it. So on the way through, I pass XFM, I pass Choice, I pass... Actually, if I go the other way round, I can pass Classic as well. But uh, So I always go through Capital because when I'm coming back up from the studio, I'll always go and have a quick, quick wave at Lisa and Dave... Actually, I'm sure I saw Dave pitching up on something the other day. The other day, what was it? It was something he pitched up on. It wasn't Surprise Surprise, which has got a bit pluggy, I'm afraid. I was watching uh, Hol- Holly Willabooby, and it was a free plug for something. They had some people there, and they'd done something, I think raised money for autistic children, and they gave them most of money for the charity. What did they give them? It was something very odd. Oh, it was a, it was a, a spa day. Seemed a bit wasted, actually, on these people. I don't know what, you know, money for the charity would have been better for them. They gave them a spa day. So it's all payola on the programme. What, what freebies can you get out of somebody? But um, I was sort of watching that, and I was watching Dave Berry on something. What the dickens was that on? Do you know, for the life of me, and I can't remember. I remember, because th- I saw him the other day, God, he's slim. He's sickeningly slim, he really is. But one of the girls in the office has got the hots for him. Don't want to mention it. I said, because he's my new best friend. You know, he always waves at me. He's always very pleasant. You know, I'm nobody. But uh, a mother goes in the office and said, oh, I'm so jealous, because she really, really fancies him. Really fancy. Anyway, so here are these two fellas, teenage burglars. They were jailed after police found photos of them posing with a stolen, sawn-off shotgun. This is uh, Carlo Kill and uh, Liam Bolton, both from Swansea. And, uh, and th- these, these pair of numbskulls, um, they got into a house through an open window. They were arrested. In fact, uh, O'Kill, uh, what a stupid name, was arrested for another burglary. And they found the pictures on his mobile phone. He's so dumb. You know, I'm not saying because he comes from Wales he's dumb, but, I mean, they are pretty thick, aren't they? The judge says, in the process of doing so, you somehow rendered it useless as a firearm because they tried to shorten the barrel with a hacksaw. I mean, they really are dumb. And uh, O'Kill, who comes from uh, Trebeth in South Wales, had buried the £800 gun and threw it away a box of ammunition. They both got four years in prison. Ooh, how lovely. The boys in there would be so looking forward to seeing a bit of fresh blood, I think, and you will be fresh blood. And apparently Lee Davis, representing Bolton, said, uh, said they're not sophisticated criminals. No, they're not sophisticated at all. They're the, about the most stupid pair I've ever seen. There was another bloke, 16 years old. He was caught in the papers over the weekend. Because when he went, he was a career criminal at 16. He was a bit thick as well. He would go out in disguise. He dressed up as an old man to try and fool people. He was an old man, but he got caught. Because no such thing as the perfect crime. If it was perfect, you'd never hear about it. So, in fact, all these people... I mean, you've only got to look at this pair of numbskulls, O'Kill and Bolton. <laughs> pair of old girls, aren't they? Pair of old girls, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm sure they will They will happily spend four years in prison reminiscing on it. So, oh, life could have been on the outside. But sadly, not very good, I'm afraid. Not very good at all. Imagine, you know, at that age and you're banged up already in prison. Oh, dear. 
Apparently, um, the Beatles criticise Elvis, the Cavern Club, and even their own film in long-lost tapes up for auction this month. The two 1965 reels were recorded by DJ Jerry G. Bishop. The day after the band met Elvis at his California home. Paul McCartney dismisses their Idol's 1960s song, saying, We used to do his songs, I don't like the new stuff half as much, and we told him. They call the Liverpool club that helped launch their career a dirty old seller, while John Lennon claims of the movie Help, it's a bit of letdown when it gets to the Bahamas. The tapes could go for 35 grand. I always think it's scandalous that the cavern doesn't exist anymore. They have a cavern up there, but it's just a pretend place. The other one's under a car park, I believe. <laughs> Which is a shame, because I thought you know, somebody would have kept that. It would have been so, so famous, wouldn't it? To do with the Beatles. That's, this is where the Beatles played, in the cavern. You know, to actually see that, I think, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, watching I'm a Celebrity last night and Helen Flanagan, I thought of you and what you'd have to say. We've already found our victim who will be regularly picked on by the public to do all the tasks so we can watch her squeal. Why do people go on it when they can't hold it together? You'd think at least they pretend to be cool. There's somebody here in, uh, in Brighton. And, uh, I mean, I, I agree, actually. I agree. The, you know why, why they go on it? It's because it's money. It's because it's money. That's that's why they they go on, and that's why they uh, they they prepared. I mean, she might be the first one to walk. I don't know. She might be the first one to walk, but uh, but she. I don't think that if they walk now this early, I don't think they get the money. I think they get a percentage before they got the fee because they weren't. Oh, actually, it reminds me. I knew there was something I was going to tell you about. I knew there was something I was going to tell you about. And um, I have to tell you about this one because I was wondering why our friends at Sainsbury's haven't picked up on it yet. You know what I'm going to tell you, don't you? I was only told about it by somebody I know who has, who has done it. And at the moment, I don't know whether it's all over the country or not, but Sainsbury's were offering, if you spent 30 quid, 8p off a litre of fuel. 8 pence off a litre of fuel. Now, that's good. Because fuel is terribly, terribly expensive. So to get 8p off a litre is unbelievably good. But you've got to spend 30 quid. So what he does, he goes in there and he buys a coat or he goes and buys, you know, a jacket, whatever it happens to be, for over 30 quid. He gets his voucher off to get the petrol, goes and puts the petrol in, takes the coat back, says it doesn't fit. So give him his money back. I mean, this, I mean I'm, I'm amazed. And he, he said he's done it loads of times. I'm amazed that Sainsbury's haven't twigged to this one. As with most of these companies, they, they sort of come up with this so-called brilliant idea, and, and it turns out not to be a brilliant idea. So I bet there's loads of other people doing the same thing. They're actually there, and, uh, and they're sort of pretending to go and buy something. Going to put the, for, for me, it would be absolutely unbelievable. It would be unbelievable. That would be the best thing to do to get cheap petrol in the car. Eight pence off a litre. My God, I could be saving a small fortune. A small fortune. But I, I wouldn't do that. I feel that's dishonest. I feel that's cheap. He said to me, he said, well, it doesn't matter to them, does it? Makes no difference. You're still putting the petrol in. They're still making a profit on it. Actually, talking of making a profit, because I went to Selfridges yesterday. You know, I bought these... Uh, candles which have got the little flame in the middle, but it's with two little magnets, and it rocks backwards and forwards. It's got a little tiny light inside which shines onto this metal flame, and it looks very, very, very realistic. So I bought them in Squires Garden Centre. They're made by a company called, uh, I think, Lumica. Uh, anyway, so and I bought them, and they were £14.99. So I bought four of them. I bought two originally. No, I've got three of them. Two originally, and no, 
Yes, I've got four of them. I'm trying to remember how I've got of these blooming things now, because I'm going to give them as, as presents. And uh, I go in Selfridges, and there they are. They're selling them in Selfridges. And I was really quite excited. I thought, oh, look, that's the thing I bought. So I said to a friend I was with, I said, do you know, I bought these the other week. The only difference is mine actually come in a box. These ones, absolutely identical, just come in a piece of plastic. So bearing in mind, this is Selfridges. This was yesterday. I paid fourteen ninety nine for my ones. How much in Selfridges? 30 quid each. I couldn't believe it. I nearly said to the bloke, I've just bought these the other day. In fact, when I got back to the car, I showed the friend of mine. I said, look, fourteen ninety nine. 30 quid in Selfridges. What a rip-off. I mean, I understand the thing about profit. I understand what profit is, but 30 quid. God in heaven. So don't waste your money. Go and get They're made by Premier. Premier Lights do them. And they're really lovely, but... <coughs> Excuse me. You don't need to spend 30 quid in Selfridges. Uh, 84850, uh Completely agree, says David. The Festival of Remembrance is a wonderful show. I was lucky enough to take part in it. Two years on the trot was in, when I was in the Royal Navy. Very humbling and emotional. It is. It is very humbling. It is very, very emotional. It's brilliant. I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, this is the first year that I've not actually been or watched it on the television. Or watched it on the television. Apparently, David might or might not be on an oil rig at the moment. That'll be a nice place to be, won't it? <laughs> not too sure if I'd ever want to be on, a, on an oil rig at this time of the, uh, the morning. Uh, 84850-stevedlbc.co.uk. We weave everything in on the programme as, uh, as we can. And, uh, Steve, whenever you slag off celebrities... I always imagine them listening to it and picturing their reaction. Oh, I tell you, it started yesterday. I, I knew it was going to. I, I have warned him, but obviously he's taken no notice. Uh, and that's um, uh, Jordan slagging off Leandro Penner. She started in her column yesterday. I told you, I mean, you can almost... She's so predictable. She is so, so predictable. It's just, you know, she's... You know, because he ditched her, because to be quite honest, she's vile... And she's got quite a few screws loose, which is what he pointed out. She's uh, retaliated. Oh, she's, she says, he's left me saddled with loads of debts and everything else. I mean, I told you. Listen, Leandro, I, what did I say to you before? I said, she's going to be vile about you. She's going to try and destroy you because that's what she's like. She's so, so horrible. Ed Sheeran, says Nick, was uh, performing live in Newcastle at the same time as he was on The X Factor. I know. Yes. And uh, one here says, Did you notice Tony Blair's poppy at the cenotaph? The leaf was facing down. Disgraceful that he shows little respect for our brave boys. Do you know, I was in Regent's Park yesterday and uh, we kept checking the, the, the clock. So when we got back to the car, we sat in the car and waited. We did the two-minute silence and uh, we waited for the, uh, for, the, for the salute and everything else. And, uh, and we listened to the last post and we did everything. And we never moved. Never moved. I was amazed to see how many people still carried on working. Although there was one cyclist who pitched up opposite us and he got off his bike and he just stood there by the side of the road, which I thought was quite good. I thought that was very good indeed. Drives me mad. You want to wind down the window and say to people, excuse me, we're doing just two minutes silence for the war dead. Not too much to ask, is it? You know, I feel as though I can say that to people if they haven't got any respect for the war dead. I feel like saying, you know, because of them, you've got that stupid bicycle you're riding around on when you go faster stripes. But I curbed it in. I held back. I thought, there's no point. You know, I'm remembering the war dead. And then I saw this amazing thing on Time Team. I turned on the television and they found in Eep. I think it was Eep. Um, they found a hot... What the dickens it was now? It was... They found one of the tunnels where the boys were. And the tunnels were all built 
by miners and people who were used... They got paid three times as much as the regular soldiers. And they, it was all full of mud. So they washed it through and they pumped it all out and they went down and they found the tunnel through there. They found the bedrooms off it and it was still in the same condition as when it, as when it had been left. There were still magazine cartridges of, of bullets down there. It was quite something. It was, it was big enough to stand up in. Because what happens now over in Belgium is sometimes the ground will just open up because the wooden uh, roof just collapses. But in this case, it was absolutely perfect. Water was still pouring. At the end of it, there was a staircase that went up to wherever it went to. It was, it was quite something else. Quite, quite something else. And you thought of the boys who would have been down there with the mud and the, they must have been frozen to blooming death. It really was awful. But, uh, but again, great when you get a television programme that can show you exactly what it was like. It wasn't a recreation. This was, this was the real business. It's like this programme, Steve Allen's Early Breakfast, LBC 97.3. Got the news coming up at five. Then we take more of your texts and emails. We'll run through what Nick Ferrari is going to be doing on his programme after the news. And, um, and we'll tell you who's in and who's out in televisual terms. All of that after the news at five, which is next. On FM Station with Steve Allen. Morning, Monday morning. Oh, you don't want to get up, do you? I know the feeling. The alarm went off this morning. I thought, oh, seriously, I, I could stay in bed for another few hours. It was warm and it was cosy and it was lovely. And I'm, oh, God. And I sat in the back of the cab. I saw him get in the cab. They always look at me a bit strangely in the morning. Today we had, I don't know where he was from, but uh, he, sort of, he said to me, um, something about, is the music all right and is the temperature right for you? I hadn't really thought about the temperature in the back of a car. I'm sitting there with a big coat on. I'm not really, I always open the window a little bit. I like to feel a bit of air. And we sort of race through London in the early hours of the morning. And you discover Leicester Square is full of the kind of tow rags that you wouldn't want to bump into anywhere else. Dreadful. We can barely sort of... Uh, of course, you, you don't have to wear your poppy now. Now you, you, know, you wear it. It's, it's only for that, for that day, for yesterday. And now you take it off. So I put it in my little box with all my other poppies because I've got the metal one. And I do buy one every year. I in fact, this year I bought a few because I bought two for Nick Ferrari. Uh, Paul says, beggar's belief, Steve, that Mr Maloney has got through along with Rylan. Yeah, this is on the ridiculous X Factor. I mean, it's so stupid that uh, a couple of people that could sing, they've actually lost. Kai, they've lost, you know, a person who can sing, whereas Mr Maloney can't sing and Ryland can't sing for a toffee. In fact, he doesn't have any discernible talent, which goes to prove that you're quite right in deserting the programme in droves because there's nothing on there to watch. It's supposed to be a singing competition, but it's not. I mean, if this was anything with Andrew Lloyd Webber on, these would have kicked these buffoons out ages ago. Couldn't put them in any shows, could you? Nothing at all. Anyway, he's now denying, this is Mr Maloney, phoning up to vote for himself. Uh, says here, uh, easy way to stop it, get hold of his mobile and then get the machine that counts the votes to block his number. You asked the other day if the Bill Tarme interview was still on the podcast. Indeed it is. November the 5th, 2010. And if proof were needed, you get most stories first. It was mentioned on Have I Got News For You in the Odd One Out segment this week that the Flintstones were, in fact, the first TV couple to share a bed on American television. Thank you. We like to be right on these things. So if, if you want to hear the Bill Tame interview, November the 10th, 2010, it's still there, but it won't be there for much longer because things tend to drop off. So as fast as new ones join... Uh, the other ones get shunted, so uh, so take it quickly. And he said, weirdly, I've been listening to a podcast of you from January 2009, and you told Alan Dodgen about it. There you go. 
Alan Dodgen. And your mention of One Direction being pre-recorded made me smile. I remember my 92-year-old grandmother watching Christmas Night with the Stars, a variety show from those over 39 who've never seen such things, and being so grateful that all the people had given up their day to be on the box for the audience. She was mortified when I told her they probably recorded it at Lime Grove sometime in July. Yes, I used to love that. I was, who was I talking to about that the other day? Funny you should mention that. I was talking to somebody about, um, about, um, television programmes that are pre-recorded. And also OK Magazine. When they, when they used to do their Christmas special, that was recorded back in, in August. And they, a lorry would turn up with a, with a pre-decorated Christmas tree, fake presents... And they would come and put all this food on the table and everything else and make it look as though... And then the moment you'd actually done the, the photo shoot, they would take it all back on the lorry again. <laughs> it's, just, it's all so fake, isn't it? All the TV Christmas shows, all done, you know, I'm afraid, uh, way, way back again. Way, way back again. We were in Asda yesterday morning, says Richard and Sarah. At 10.50, they announced there'd be a two-minute silence. 11 o'clock came and went. No announcement, no observation. We did observe it ourselves, but shame on Asda for not doing it properly. If they announced it, they should have followed it through. Yes, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I never understand why you see people still going about their, their daily business. It's only for two minutes, for God's sake. We're not asking for, not asking for a lot of time, are we? Not asking for a lot of time to actually just try and remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, Lisa says, those candles look lovely online. Yes, they are nice, actually. Uh, they are very, very nice. And uh, maybe the royal family, says Phil, stayed away from the remembrance service because they knew that you weren't going. <laughs> it was a, a lost First World War bunker, Steve. It was just was it amazing. It was so amazing to go down there and discover you could stand up in this thing. You could stand up in it. It was just, oh, dear me. And uh, Ian says, when it came to 11 o'clock, my five-year-old son, Oliver, stood next to me in total silence. Very proud of him. Good. I mean, it doesn't take much. You've only got to stand there for two minutes. I'll ask you to sort of write a... There's a bloke in the paper today. He's had his body tattooed with the names of the war dead. I seem a little bit dramatic, but, uh, but he's done it. Um, Attenborough's Ark. Nifty idea, like Desert Island Discs with Animals, writes Jim Shelley. And... Uh, uh, David Attenborough's top ten of endangered animals that he'd like to save. The black lion, Tamarin, uh, the Sumatran rhino, uh, the Olm, the marvellous spectacular hummingbird, Darwin's frog. I've never heard of half these things. <laughs> I've never heard of half of them. But I'm sure I've seen the black lion, Tamarin. It's a little tiny monkey. Because I think they've got some at London Zoo. I think you walk through this sort of aviary type uh, thing. Definitely. You, you, you walk through the, this aviary thing, and they're, they're in there. So it's, it's quite hot. Every so often, all these sprinklers come on because they like it. Like, it reminds them of the jungle, I suppose. Not that I think any of them were actually born in the jungle. I think they were all born in captivity. Uh, the Queen is advertising for a cleaner at Windsor Castle at, wait for this, 78 pence an hour below the recommended living wage. Cast, last night, campaigners rounded on her madge. To tell her that she was wrong. They've always been bad payers, I'm afraid. Always been bad payers. Uh, this here, it's a part-time cleaner, and the department is Master of the Household's Office. Location, Windsor Castle. Grade 39, whatever that is. Starting salary, 13,000 pro rata. Hours of work, 30. Contract type standard. Accommodation? No, no. And uh, mandatory requirements... A flexible approach to both duties and hours. Monday to Saturday, 8 till 1 is essential. And that's what they're paying. £6.67 an hour. 
which is uh, which is less than it should be. But they are notoriously mean in the royal family. They are notoriously tight because it's the royal family. And they know that if you work for the royal family, you go to America, Americans will pay big bucks to get somebody who's worked for the royal family because they reckon if you work for the royal family, you must be among the, the best in the world. And I suppose to a certain extent, they probably are. But, uh, but they do get them cheap, I'm afraid. Very cheap. I don't know how many, uh, how many people work for the royal family. I suppose the old joke is about half of them, I suppose. Jeremy Paxman has provoked fears he will quit Newsnight. To be honest with you, I mean, the, the, the programme's got no integrity anymore. They've now suspended the journalists from working on anything. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. You know, the, uh, you know, this, I mean... Peter Snow said it's a wonderful programme, it produces wonderful stuff and it's done successfully so for 32 years. To end Newsnight would be absurd. But I'm afraid Newsnight have made mistakes and, of course, they're going to have to suffer for that. I mean, they're, they're calling in some of the papers today that Lord Patton should go as well. What it's got to do with him, I've got no idea. I wouldn't, I wouldn't thought of, he actually had to go. I mean, the DG, yes, because, I mean, quite clearly, he didn't know what was going on and he should have done. If you're running a big company like that and they make the mistakes, first of all, to shelve the Jimmy Savile programme being made by Newsnight. Mind you, half the people they seem to interview, you really need to check them out. All they, all they haven't done on the, the, on the Newsnight front is, is check their sources, which is what any good journalist would do. They're supposed to find out. You know, you check. You can't just run something because somebody says something and then the, uh, the newspapers are full of it. And the ridiculous Sally Burko, a buffoon of the first order, I'm afraid. And uh, she named Lord McAlpine after Newsnight wrongly accused him. I mean, quite rightly, he's seeking legal action because, I mean, that's just unforgivable. I mean, either she's a complete idiot or she's just half an idiot. But uh, either way, not the cleverest uh, knife in the box, is she, I'm afraid. Uh, there's a rumour that they might be sending her out to the jungle. Hopefully face down in a puddle. <laughs> Sorry, thinking out of the box again. Thinking out loud. I mean, I don't, these, these sort of so-called people who now have no talent whatsoever. Nadine Doris, no talent at all for doing anything. No talent. You know, just apparently a little bit outspoken as an MP. Oh, God, how dull. How dull. Here's this other baby. We, we've got the baby, which is the intensive care baby. And the other one is uh, is called the... What's this one called here? But anyway, it's aimed for youngsters two and upwards. You wait till you hear this. The child user wears a bib with flower petal nipples and the doll makes sucking sounds when put to the chest. It also burps after feeding. The company behind the toy, which is sold over the internet for as little as 30 quid, claims it's supported by breastfeeding organisations and teachers. Critics claim the doll is a case of too much too young and risks over-sexualising children. Promotional material explains how the two flowers on the bib are positioned where the nipples would be, and when the mouth of the doll is brought close to embedded sensors in the flowers, the baby makes motions and suckling sounds. Oh, my Godfathers. At two years old. Now, some of you might be thinking that's a good idea. Some of you might be thinking that's a brilliant idea. You know, we've, we've, we've had a doll that wheezes and does the other stuff, so now we've got a doll that looks like it's come out of intensive care can but laugh, can't you? And now we have to ask the question, do little girls really need a breastfeeding doll? Where does it go from here? And do you think little boys might want to try it as well? <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know whether or not, I mean, that, that kind of, you might find that sort of, you know, mothers are going, well, that's a good idea. Not for two-year-olds, though, is it? Mind you, I can't tell. I mean, I don't know. I have got a two-year-old. But, uh, you know, all, all my lot had when they were two, <coughs> all my godchildren, were sort of pretend shops. 
and a shopping trolley and a basket and a till. And when I was two, I had Fuzzy Felt Farm. It's not quite the same thing, is it, really? Don't, you don't really get off on... I think I had Fuzzy Felt Post Office as well. That was really upmarket. But Fuzzy Felt Farm was my favourite, because I had a duck pond. And it meant you could put ducks in the duck pond. I don't know what we did with Fuzzy Felt. To be honest with you, all I remember doing is getting out the thing, making sort of a duck pond, putting some railings around it and a duck, and then occasionally to cheer yourself up, you put the cow in the duck pond, just to cause a little bit of havoc. Didn't always work, of course. Uh, 47 assistants for the Kardashians, a fleet of Rolls Royces, and 10,000 hysterical fans. All, writes Alison Boshoff in the Mail today, for three celeb sisters with no discernible talent. They have no talent at all. No talent. But that doesn't matter in the day and age, does it? It, it makes no difference if the people you're watching on television actually have any talent at all. Provided they're on the television, that's enough. That's why they've roped in some more people for the Only Wears Essex. Because apparently one of them, one of them, lucky soul, is working at Nick Norcross's Sugar Hut in Brentwood. She's one of Nick's babes down there, so she's really climbed the ladder of success. And so they're going to put her in the Only Wears Essex, which means they need to get rid of a couple of people. Might we suggest Jessica Wright and Joey Essex and his dreary sister? That would be a start, wouldn't it? Quarter past five. News headlines, Holly Ford. The acting director. Three. The question this morning for Nick Ferrari and the team will be, can the BBC recover? Can they win back the public's trust? Because it does seem that daily now, doesn't it? You know, there's another disaster that they lurch into. Uh, looking at the papers today, Nick Du Bois, Conservative MP for Enfield North. Uh, should they axe Newsnight? Uh, a lot of people saying it should it should go now because if they can't trust the journalists, I mean it's obviously nobody was overseeing anything or, or failing that nobody nobody ever checks anything. People just take people at face value. They put somebody on the program who talks about being abused to you know nobody checked out at all. I mean it's I mean the BBC is 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 wobbling is wobbling. Will will somebody else coming in be able to oversee all these programs? I don't know. Do you know, do you know what I read yesterday? And now. As they come up to their, their charitable thing, children in need, they're, they're going to make sure that Pudsey, the bear, is not with children alone at any time. And the reason is they don't want to get themselves into any lawsuits about Pudsey inadvertently touching a child, you know, by putting his hand, I'm assuming Pudsey is male, uh, onto a kid's head or something like that. They might see that as some form of abuse nowadays. So they're, so they're saying that Pudsey must never be alone with children. He's, he's representing, it's a, it's a teddy bear. It's now got so stupid that we've now come to that. It's that stupid. Ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, I remember, Steve, an interview with Noddy Holder saying that Merry Christmas was recorded in August. Probably was, actually. It wouldn't make any difference. Most, most of the Christmas stuff, when do you think it's recorded? But if they're actually trying to get something in the shops for Christmas, then they would have to do June, July. July, something like that, to actually make sure you got it in there. Stephen Harlington says paying low wages... Uh, for the royal family, it makes you wonder why people leave and sell their story to the press. Well, they're very careful now. They, they, they make them sign these affidavits, and if they do, they're, they're very litigious, the royal family. They, they, don't, they don't really want people spilling the secrets. It's all right for them to do it. So we've had a book on the Queen Mother. Uh, the Queen Mother's Letters are now published. I nearly bought it the other day. I nearly bought it. I thought it would be a very, very interesting book to read, because the Queen Mother was, uh, like most people of her, her generation, she liked writing letters and uh, she did she did quite a number of letters and so they put them in this book because everything is saved in the royal family i don't think they actually get rid of anything so i bet you somewhere 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 probably in buckingham palace there are the queen mother's clothes 
all her clothes will be there because what they would do is, in years to come, they will probably do an exhibition of the Queen Mother's clothes when it's sort of 100 years or 50 years after she died or whatever it happens to be. They will do an exhibition of her, her clothes and her hats because they'll be, you know, Norman Hartnell creations. They've got one at Kensington Palace of Diana. Everything is saved. They, they don't throw anything away. What would you do? Imagine if sort of one of Diana's dresses turned up in a charity shop or somebody went, oh, I just bought this on eBay. And for the Queen Mother, I mean, I'd, I'd quite like to see them. I'd like to see those outfits again, because we remember so many of them. She, uh, she was a big fan of these sort of long, straight, up-and-down kind of coats. But yet, when she was off-duty, as it were, she liked nothing better than wearing uh, the Royal Tartan. Uh, in the papers as well today, uh, Cyril Smith last night dragged into the Jimmy Savile sex scandal. BBC investigators are probing a TV appearance by him on the Clunk Click programme in 1973. Mr Smith, who died two years ago, aged 82, sang She's a Lassie from Lancashire on the show. Two other guests, Gary Glitter and Freddie Starr, have been quizzed by police. Four years before his appearance, Mr Smith was the uh, subject of a police probe into claims he spanked and assaulted teenage boys at a hostily helped run. Uh, he denied any wrongdoing. Last night, the BBC said the matter was being looked at as part of the wider investigation into the culture that existed there in the 70s. Mr Smith's brother, Norman, dismissed the probe as muckraking about people who've died and cannot defend themselves. His brother and Saville were pals through charity fundraising. The MP's reputation was spotless, he said. It's terrible, isn't it? Because it's, it's somebody said on the television the other day, let's just name a lot of dead celebrities. They, they aren't here to answer for themselves. Not that he was a celebrity, Cyril Smith, but he was certainly larger than life. And uh, he can't answer for himself. Don't know. Uh, Ian says, I've lost a signal on my radio, but I've managed to pick you up on 11.52. I know, I'm all over the place. You turn on the radio and there are, you can't get away from it first thing in the morning. If you have just woken up, it's nice to have your company. I trust you are well. Feeling good today? Probably not. Probably not feeling good about anything at all, because like, it's Monday and you don't want to go to work and Christmas gets ever nearer and you don't know. Do you start making a list? Do you start, you know, do you, have, you, have, you, have you thought about ordering the turkey? I know it seems early, but somebody... Have you ordered the Heston Blumenthal Christmas pudding? You don't want to run out again, do you? You don't want to run out. And the advice was, over the weekend, from Heston Blumenthal, if you want to enjoy his Christmas pudding, steam it. Steam it. So put it in and let it steam all day, if necessary. Just keep topping up the water. And do it with drizzled chocolate and cream. Now, that wasn't his idea... That was the Italian restaurant that he was uh, eating in over Christmas a couple of years back, and he brought it out and served it with drizzled chocolate and cream. <laughs> makes, you sound, makes it sound very fattening, doesn't it? But absolutely lovely. Did you know, says Noreen, that Kimberly Walsh was in the last two in Strictly Come Dancing? Crazy. You were excellent. She must have done badly with the viewers' vote. It was nowhere near top of the leaderboard with the judges. Morning to the Facebookers, says Noreen. Yes, haven't they, uh, I think, Fern... Fern Britton told all about Strictly's wild parties after she was booted off. Oh, dear. Isn't it awful? I haven't watched the programme. Because, you know, so many of the cast are going out there doing their own dancing programmes in the new year. So they've all booked them. You've got to put up with Tony Beak and his dance. Who sits there and watches two people dance around on a stage? I ask you, what sort of boring show is that, I'm afraid? Must be quite a boring one. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. And, uh, as you know... My dad, says Neil, had been asked to march past the cenotaph representing his old regiment, the RAF. Lorraine and I set off to Oakwood to get to the tube. Maintenance work, no tubes. Drove back to Enfield to get the overground. Overground, no trains. 
maintenance works. I decided to drive into London, parked up near the Magic Circle, got the tube to Piccadilly, found a good viewpoint in Parliament Square, bumped into an old friend, 20 minutes to spare, all good. The parade began. I got the rain seated up on the low wall outside the Treasury and awaited my dad. Big respect to all those who marched past. In the distance, I could make out the grey berries of the RAF approaching. Turned to Lorraine to let her know, just she decided to get herself off the wall, which resulted in her badly twisting her ankle. I flew across to help her just as she passed out and collapsed in my arms. Oh, my God, Father. He says, I got her into the recovery position. The police quickly called the paramedics to appear to, uh, well, in fact, it seemed to appear straight away they were brilliant. I looked up as they helped her to see the grey berries of Dad's regiment pass us by and go into the distance. After all the efforts, we'd missed him. Thank goodness the rain soon felt better and even though very painful, managed to get back to the car and home. I can't help but think that sometimes things just aren't meant to be. One small consolation, when we got home we watched the ceremony on television and we saw Dad proudly marching by. Bless him. Isn't that good? I love that actually. Actually I have to mention a, a lady this morning. I have to mention a lady this morning because I was in the... Uh, I was in the uh, the fish shop yesterday, as you know, Sandy's, because they have all their Christmas lights up and the trees, and uh, they've got all this all this topiary at the front. And uh, so I nipped in there just to see uh, Stuart, and he says, you know, I was talking about all the Christmas decorations outside, and he said, you know, you look at all the kids' faces as they pass by. He said it's totally worth it. That's what Christmas is all about. Anyway, it's his mum's birthday today, and her name is Jill. So uh, he says. Um, you know, if you could give her a quick mention, absolutely. Jill, your son works very hard in that shot. I think she's up in Norfolk, up in Norfolk. So uh, many, many happy returns of the day. He very wisely didn't tell me how old you were, which I thought was probably the best thing. Somewhere between sort of 50 and 60, he says, erring on the side of caution. So have a lovely happy birthday, Jill, up there. The shop looks great. He's probably sent you pictures and all the rest of it. And everybody's working very, very hard. But as he said, it's it's tough, you know, in this day and age to try and make businesses work. I've seen more... Strangely enough, there's a business at the back here. It was uh, one of those American chicken shops. Not the sort of place I'd ever frequent, let me tell you. But it was always busy because it was the only... It's the only place along there that serves food in the early hours of the morning. Anyway, the bailiff's notices went up the other day. It's been closed. I'm assuming it's better. It could have been hygiene. I don't know. I didn't read it. I just noticed the notice that it's uh, that it's closed. But it doesn't seem to last five minutes around here. Probably the rent. Perhaps they can get more if it's a coffee shop or something like that. Because that's all we seem to get nowadays. We just seem to get more and more coffee shops. And the reason you do is because they don't make any money. Well, they certainly don't pay very much tax. Put it that way. And I believe there's going to be a demonstration. I think I heard on LBC's news earlier on uh, at, uh, at Starbucks. Because they're just not paying the right amount of tax. And there's so many companies who come over here and trade and hardly pay any tax at all. And it's, it's huge. It runs through the industry, doesn't it? They were talking about Vodafone and all these other people. And, uh, I, don't know, I don't know what it is with the other coffee shops. I'm not sure about that yet. But certainly with, with Starbucks, on their huge turnover, they make a loss. How is that? Answer, it's called creative accounting. It's perfectly legal. It's just that, you know, they're not really contributing much. So that's why the high streets are full of all these coffee shops. They're just full of coffee shops, because, quite clearly, they're not all paying the right amount of tax. It's not very good, is it? Not very good at all. So, anyway, Jill, just going back to you, the fish shop looks wonderful. It's all lovely. He's diversified. As you know, he does all sorts of things. So have a very, very happy birthday today. Enjoy your day. You've got to that time of life when you can, and if anybody else is celebrating their birthdays today, hope you have a good day as well, and hope the postman manages to bring you all that you desire. Like cards. Cards are always very good for birthdays, especially cards with money in. 
I wonder if Stuart's remembered to send his mum a card. Perhaps he's thinking if he does it with me, it'll be cheaper. Perhaps I'll send him a bill. Anyway, it's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's nice to have you company this Monday morning. Bit chilly. Temperature will only rise to about uh, 10 degrees today. At the moment, it's 4. So it's a bit uh, bit nippy in London town. But very shortly, winter wonderland, which I'm very much looking forward to. Time now, 5.30. <laughs> with Steve Allen. Morning, 26 minutes to six. Apparently in the 90s, Noreen tells me, Prince William suggested that Mum, Diana, auctioned some dresses. And she did. 80 for charity. I've got the catalogue. Terrible for Neil yesterday. Yes, poor old Lorraine, I mean, honestly. Some things are meant to be, though, aren't they? Some things are meant to be. But she says, I've sent love to him and the family as well. That's after... She fell off the wall. Oh, not the best thing. Uh, Cheryl Cole makes some of the papers today. She's not done anything at all interesting in ages. And uh, they say she stuck two fingers up to Simon Cowell by appearing on Strictly Come Dancing. Well, no, she didn't appear on it. She was just in the audience. She, it was either that or stand down the local chip shop. You know, she hasn't got any work at the moment, so she might as well go and sit in the audience, tart herself up, and uh, show support for Kimberly Walsh. And uh, she tweeted to let everybody know where she was going. Uh, she then praised Strictly Judge Bruno Tonioli by tweeting, I love Bruno. Well, yeah, I'm sure he loves you as well, dear. You're both so similar. Uh, she also sent out a sexy snap of her locking lips with Kimberly under the message, after show kisses. But obviously somebody did it for her because I don't think she's that, uh, she's that bright at all. Uh, she was humiliated after she was kicked off the American X Factor, mainly because she wasn't, she's, no, she's no good. It's got nothing to do with her accent or anything like that. I don't want to get drawn into the fact she does sound like a foghorn. You know, it's nothing to do with it. It's the fact that she wasn't very good. They're looking for something a bit more edgy in America. To break America is very, very difficult. You know, and so many different levels. And unfortunately, she just doesn't, she just doesn't have it. She doesn't have it. You know, best, best she does her little tour. Although, as I say, not read any reviews of it at all. It's almost like there was a, 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 an amnesty. Almost like uh, an amnesty. And, and nobody's mentioned it. I've got no idea. You know, no idea at all. Uh, another one here. Let me just get, quickly get round to uh, some more of your texts and emails. Uh, Merle says, superb uh, festival of remembrance. Two questions. What's the origin of the hip-hip-hooray tradition? This is where, at the end, they say three cheers for Her Majesty, hip-hip, and the soldiers take their hats and go, hooray, they wave it round once. Hip-hip, hooray, they wave their hats and they do it through. I don't know. I, don't, I think it's just uh, showing support to the royal family. People love seeing them there. It's always, it's always a, a good show. Always a good show. I didn't go this year. First time I didn't go. And also, Steve Merle, I shall ask the same question everybody else does. How come Prince Andrew's got more medals than some of the Chelsea pensioners? <laughs> I don't know. I think his mother hands them out a bit like sweeties, I'm afraid. I don't, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know why he's got so many medals. He did see active service, didn't he? He was in the Falklands. Whether that warrants... Loads and loads of medals. I do not know. I did laugh. An email came in the other day. I don't think it was meant to come to me, actually. But for some reason, it, it got mass-mailed around the whole company. And it says... I, I, I won't tell you who it's from, just in case she gets embarrassed. But she says, Hi there, wondering if you can help. I'm working on an ITV programme called Peter Andre, My Life. <laughs> that a bit Jewish, doesn't it? Peter Andre, My Life. And we were wondering if you had any radio recordings from the Queen's Jubilee and the Olympics that we could possibly use. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Peter Andre, my life. Oh, dear me. It was so boring. I, I, I think I've cut a piece of Peter Andre's stuff out for the paper because he's, he's come up with some, you know, some usual... Pro- oh, that's right. He wants to join the magic circle. He wants to join the magic circle, apparently, because he's going to put some illusions into the show. Oh, God help us. Because it's been done before. It was done with Earth, Wind and Fire 
and loads of other people have done, you know, music and illusions on stage. Now, to be honest with you, I would think the whole idea is to keep the cost down. He says, so he's going to learn some magic tricks, which always fills me with worry. You know, Peter Andre says, I'm going to learn something. So, in other words, not really going to put too much into it. He's just going to learn some magic tricks and then put them into the, uh, into the show. And so he said he thinks he might join the magic circle. And they've, uh, they did a piece on it in the paper, which is good, actually. Uh, eight degrees in central London. Who was it was talking earlier on? Oh, Duncan Barks were talking about scraping the ice off your windscreen. And he said a credit card. And somebody said, oh, pour hot water on it. You never pour hot water on. You never. The best thing to do is put a piece of cardboard over your windscreen and then just put it underneath the windscreen wipers. And that way... Um, that way you don't get your windscreen iced up. But most cars now have got this... I've got this very, very... Um, heating up button. You push it and it goes, and it literally takes anything off the windscreen in a matter of seconds. So that's uh, so that's very good. Uh, David says, can you recommend a German Christmas market? Uh, no. No. I don't... Uh, well, just any of them. Any of them are good. They're all good. They're all good. Every, every Christmas market is good. They're so much better than over here. We have one in Kingston. It's a bit feeble. Uh, they say, oh, it's a German Christmas market. There's nobody... There's only about one stall there that's German. The rest of them appear to be Iranian. I don't know any Germans there at all, but they do all this sort of, you know, people like hot... When it's cold, you can't beat a Wurst with some nice mustard on. Oh, I'd love things like that. I could eat that now, actually. <laughs> I might have to leave the studio and go and eat it now. I'm so hungry this morning. I don't know why I'm so hungry. I shouldn't be. Uh, District 3 kicked off the X Factor, and uh, Louis Walsh, 60, wouldn't choose between his acts, but Gary Barlow and Nicole Scherzinger, as I told you earlier... Gave District 3 the boot. Judge Gary says, I feel like District 3 have always sung well, but that was your worst performance to date. So, you see, if you manage to get rid of them because they've always sung well, but your worst performance to date, why have they still got Mr Maloney on there? Why have they still got Ryland who can't sing for Toffee? They're flat as pancakes. That's why the programme is, is bad news. It's fiddled. You know, none of, the, none of the things are live on there which they're supposed to be, so they get one direction on. I understand... You know, having sort of them on the programme. Not that I think it makes any difference. The song was very lame. And sort of Dermot O'Dreary, who's, who's really not good. He really isn't good. I mean, he's... he's I, didn't, I don't think I've seen anybody as bad on the television. I seriously don't think I've seen anybody as bad presenting-wise. Well, Tess Daly's pr- pretty bad. I mean, she was sort of attempting to sort of host the Strictly Come Dancing last night. She's way out of her depth. Way out of her depth. You know, just standing there in a frock that looks like it's been picked up from Primark doesn't kind of work it for me at all, I'm afraid. Claudia Winkleman I like, but they're not the same as Bruce. Bruce is the one who hosts that programme. Bruce is the the man who holds it all together. You know, Tess Daly just stands there. I noticed, actually, that the husband's just lost his uh, radio job. Vernon. And uh, Vernon's finished. And who else has finished? There's somebody else, actually. Two of them. Very, very quick to point out, they weren't dropped. They decided to leave so Vernon can spend more time at home with his family. That'll be nice, won't it? But she's thrilled. Oh, God, Daddy's coming back home again. <laughs> poor souls, poor souls. 84850, uk. I noticed that uh, Paul McCartney dodged death by two feet as his helicopter almost slammed into trees. I looked at a house the other day, and one of the selling points of the house was, it's got a helipad. And when I say looked at a house, I mean, I just looked at pictures of it in the newspaper. I didn't actually think to myself, I'm going to be sort of out there buying a house that's worth about six million. But it had a helipad. And I thought, how excited to have a helipad. Well, you know, if you, if you had so much money, would you learn to, uh, to, write, to, to drive a helicopter? Well, you couldn't remember what, what you did with a helicopter then. But uh, the answer is no, I probably wouldn't. I'm a bit scared about things like that. I'm, I'm a little bit worried. I don't like the idea 
that you're just up there and it's just this thing on top of you because they were selling those in Selfridges yesterday. You know the little helicopters for kids? Two for 40 quid. It was a candle that's too expensive. £30 for a, a battery-operated candle that I pay 15 quid for is just appalling, just appalling. You know, I understand shops have to make a profit, but by God, I mean, that's 100%. 100%. Uh, JB Sports, JJB Sports, sorry, had debts of 210 million when it collapsed last month. How can people make losses? On, you know, when you've got a shop, and I think JJB Sports was selling all the sporting tops and stuff like that that people are, people seem to... Chavs mainly wear it. You know, anybody who walks around in tracksuit bottoms and a, and, a, and a rugby top or a football... It's mainly football tops, isn't it? Chav. It definitely. I saw a woman the other day, actually. I say a woman, young girl, ageing, because she had a cigarette on, so I thought she was going to age quite badly. Hair tied back in the Croydon facelift. She had a pair of black jogging pants on, but jogging is the last thing she looked like she could ever manage. And uh, she's got a, f- a, a, a football top on as well. And I'm thinking, it's, it's, it, she looks as though she's about to enter the Jeremy Kyle show. You know, because you get a, a lot of women who sit there on the stage where they can't sit properly, they slouch. They've generally got tattoos over their knuckles and uh, they've got earrings and piercings. And you think to yourself, and you managed to get yourself pregnant. How did that happen? And then they bring out the so-called father and you realise that oh, they're all on drugs. They're all on... They'd have to be drugs or alcoholics because you're not going to sleep with somebody like that, are you? And they sit there and proudly tell us about their turgid little life. Oh, sorry to pick on the Spanish this morning. But I'm afraid I'm about to. The Spanish have some very odd ceremonies which involve hurting animals. In one particular village in Spain, they take a donkey up the church tower and throw it off the top. There's no logical reason for this. They're just they're people who should be taken out and shot. But in uh, one particular town here, this is the uh, the Toro Jubilo Fiesta in uh, a place which is 100 miles northeast of Madrid. And what they do there, and there are pictures in the paper today, they bring in a bull... They hold it to the ground, okay? They're holding it down and they strap to its horns a piece of metal with wood on top which is soaked in tar and they set fire to it. This bull has now got flaming horns, okay? The tar is dripping down it. They shave some of the fur off so that it doesn't singe to death. And uh, one and a half thousand stupid people clap and cheer, and a band plays music. I'd have blown the old lot of them up. I really would. It's apparently a 400-year-old tradition. Well, it's about time it's stopped. Because the young men test their courage by taunting the terrified animal. OK, so not content with having sort of gone out there, and I think we've actually bullfighting from most places, in this particular place where they're so backward, it's almost beggar's belief that they're actually in the real world, they torture this poor bull... And uh, eventually, after it's so terrified and it's standing there with sweat pouring off it and saliva and everything else, they then take it outside, take the things off and they kill it. They're so charming. And uh, as the papers have said today, it's flaming barbaric. It is disgusting. I mean, you should find these people, these people who do this to an animal. I mean, you wouldn't do it to a dog. You wouldn't do it to a cat. You wouldn't do it to anything. Why on earth they do it there? 400-year-old tradition. What backward people they must be in the town of uh, Medinachel. As I say, it's quite near Madrid. If I was close to them and they, they could pick this up on the radio, I would be chiding the entire town. What a bunch of buffoons, ladies and gentlemen. But there's loads and loads of pictures in the paper of this bull looking absolutely petrified, as indeed it would be. 
It cannot see the thing. It knows that somewhere on the top of its head, there's this thing burning. You know, and it's it just looks barbaric. It really does. It just looks terrible, but uh, there's no accounting for what some people do in other countries, but I think you have to educate them. And quite clearly, in this particular place, they uh, it's impossible to educate them. They are so far round the U-bend, but uh, they'll probably come back and meet themselves in the uh, in the Day of Judgment. Uh, having a quick look... Oh, let's take a quick break, actually. I'm just going to come around to Coronation Street, because I've, I've got a bit... I've got a bit remiss on Coronation Street. Apart from the fact I don't even know where we are with the storyline, I don't understand anything that's going on there, except one of the gay guys started to fight. Pfft, doesn't make any sense to me either. 14 minutes to six. <laughs> News headlines with Holly Ford. The acting director general. Morning, 11 minutes to six is uh, the time. People who use social networking sites like Twitter to link innocent individuals with sex abuse scandals, face being sued. Uh, This follows the uh, Tory grandee Lord McAlpine being incorrectly labelled on dozens of internet forums last week. The former Conservative Party treasurer and deputy chairman is now said to be considering issuing writs for libel against those who took part in Twitter innuendo, believed to include a Guardian journalist, George uh, Monbiot, and the common speaker's wife, Sally Burko because she's been uh, named, she apparently was repeating this uh, on her Twitter feed. Very unwise. Not the brightest penny in the box, but there you go. Perhaps a writ in the post and a court appearance might sort of settle it, because you cannot go right. I've never understood why people think that you can write this sort of stuff about somebody, be it Lord McAlpine or whoever it is, you know, and then and just that you can get away with it. You absolutely cannot. This man has every right to sue. He's not in the best of health. This is not the kind of thing you expect to have, you know, at the age of 71. I mean, people have backpedalled like mad and started apologising. But uh, you begin to wonder, a little bit too little too late. I think way too late, I'm afraid. So uh, so perhaps, you know, he would be advised to, uh, to sue these people. Because you just cannot do it. If they get away with it once, they'll do it again. Like men who are caught cheating on their wives, you know, very rarely will it be the first time. It'll be the first time they've been caught. But nine out of ten times they've been doing it uh, loads of times. Uh, other stories, of course, it was, I didn't see it, but did anybody uh, go to the Lord Mayor's show? Uh, he apparently had a faulty wheel, Paul Sol. Thousands lined the streets, but uh, halfway through the inauguration parade, he had to swap his coach for an open-top Land Rover to get back. Jessica Ennis was there. Uh, she was in a Jaguar F-type sports car. Far safer, but doesn't look as good, does it? Uh, the temperature is going to plummet. It's going to get cold, 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 cold. And it's all coming in from the Arctic Circle, where it's pretty chilly. They reckon by the end of this month, temperatures could plummet down to about minus 15 degrees. I had to laugh. I, I watch this programme every so often in... Um, it, it, it comes up, I think, on a Freeview channel I've got. And it's, it's quite simple. It's called Switched. And it's American teenagers, and you'll have somebody in Wisconsin and somebody in wherever it happens to be, and they they send each other a text saying, let's switch lives. And so I go, for example, into uh, Nick Ferrari's family for a week, and he comes into my family for a week, and uh, and you just get on with it. And it makes very interesting viewing, because they're always terribly polite, these people. They seem to have far more active lives in America than our schoolchildren do over here. I'm quite sure there are schoolchildren over here who have fairly active lives. But over there, they're very much into the sports. They're very much into the outdoor life. Nobody sits in huddled over a computer. Oh, no, you don't get any of that kind of malarkey. What, what you actually get is an awful lot of, uh, of sort of young people out there doing, 
Yeah, what did we have the other day? It was some girls who were part of a cheerleading team, and then you had one of the boys, oh, one of the boys in one of them. It was very interesting, because I thought it would, it would show it up quite badly. He was a ballet dancer, and he swapped places with a guy who was at army school, at army camp, where they, they trained them, and everybody was so polite about it. And he said, I shall never, ever laugh at, uh, at people who do ballet or anything else like that, he said, because it's really tough, and it's really, really strenuous. And I was terribly impressed by it. You know, all the, all the kids come over as really nice. Their families are lovely. Everybody likes each other. We know that the Americans go into meltdown, as you know. You've only got to insult them. They don't understand insults. They're, they're not very good with criticism. So if you criticise somebody, you know, they, they don't know how to actually handle it. So in Vegas, for example, you go into breakfast and the woman comes over and she goes, tea, coffee, juice. And you go, no, I'm fine. Sorry? You go, no, I'm fine, thank you. You don't want any, you don't want any tea? No. Again, I should bring you some juice? No, nothing, thank you. You want some water? No. They look at you like you're mad. I mean, she was so insulted. She should come near me ever again for the breakfast. So I had to sort of sort it out for myself, which is okay. I don't mind that. It doesn't bother me. I can go and sort things out. Maria says Cheryl Cole didn't bring much luck being in the audience at Strictly. Kimberly Walsh ended up in the dance off with Fern. Kimberly danced through, but. Sorry to see Fern go. Oh, we like Fern, don't we? We really do. Uh, Danny Baker was very funny on the Jonathan Ross show. I'm quite sure he was. Quite sure he was. I'm sure he's a very, very funny person. I saw him once out in the street when I was out with, with somebody else. And we just went, hello. <laughs> that, was, that was about it, I think. Uh, one here from, uh, from Johnny, who says, uh, I guess it had to happen. I've... Uh, I'm really fed up. I'm a grumpy old man regarding of how much they put on the television. It's hard not to be cynical as the endless farce of reality stuff is churned out to supposedly entertain us. I'm tired of the same boring formats and it becomes painful to watch deluded acts thinking of stardom when their own reality in a year or so will be telling anybody they meet how show business was not for them despite the dream. But the most perverse nonsense is now a sitting MP who's let the cat out of the bag that a minority of politicians want celeb status and less than 15 minutes of fame. At least the Christmas schedules won't be full of repeats because TV would never con the public, says Johnny, who's definitely an F-lister. Absolutely. He is a black, black cab driver. I thought I'd mention that to you. Long-standing fan of the show, which is always, uh, which is always very nice. But you're right, it's, it's th- these MPs now who want their, their bit of fame. MPs become celebrities, but when they, when they desert, I'm afraid, when they, when they desert the constituents and they go off to the jungle, we have to slap them on the back of the silly little legs. Uh, 84850, Mark says, your comments for Spain are spot on. I don't buy anything remotely Spanish. Nasty, cruel people. And not just when it comes to the appalling treatment of animals. Boycott all products. To be honest with you, I can't think of anything that they send us from Spain. What do we get from Spain? Anything exciting that comes from Spain? People sort of turn up with these silly little hats which they buy in Spain. And I suppose they do leather goods. But uh, no, I mean, if, if that's what they do and it's not been stopped by the government. This is the, uh, the story that appears in all the papers today about the 400-year-old tradition, in inverted commas, of setting fire to a bull's horns. We've seen it before. I've often said that the bulls in Pamplona, when they do the Pamplona run, should be issued with submachine guns so they can machine gun down the so-called participants who flee like uh, the proverbials, uh, in front of bulls running, who are terrified out of their lives, and people have got fireworks and all sorts of things going on. It's just bad news all round, I'm afraid. It is just really bad news. And so this particular tradition involves holding the bull down, tying some, uh, some metal across its horns and setting fire to this piece of wood which is covered in tar and stuff like that. And then they, they taunt it for about 40 minutes. 
until eventually this thing just stands there. It, it doesn't know what's going on, quite clearly, because it's standing there. All it knows is there's heat, and it's coming from the top of its head. And then they take it outside, take the thing off it, and they kill it. What a pointless exercise that is. God. Imagine if you had it over here before you send cows and pigs to the slaughterhouse. We actually tortured them first and sort of dressed them up and stuck sort of flaming, you know, things on the top of their heads. I've got to tell you, you have the animal charities out in force. I don't know why they haven't done anything about this one. Perhaps they're just not very good at doing things like that in Spain. Although I'm led to believe we did actually manage to get um, bullfighting stopped. As far as I know, they don't do bullfighting. I did go and see a bullfight many, 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 many years ago. I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't be remotely interested in seeing anything like that now. Absolutely wouldn't. I mean, it's just, it's it's just so awful. You know, you, the the bull. If they issued the bull with 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 a, with a machine gun, fine. Or or the bull was fully armed, or failing that, you know, the matadors and the picadors weren't actually as protected as they are. That would make it even. You know, don't don't put him in there with with a sword or anything like that. Just let him fight against the bull. Let's see how big and strong he is there in his little girly outfit that glitters. The suit of many lights, you know, many lights covered with blood. Actually, I saw a great thing the other day, talking of covered with with uh, with lights. We were in Selfridges again, still the same thing. We we parked you know just around the corner, and um, and downstairs they've got Christmas presents for for girls, for ladies. And one section because apparently most of you ladies like handbags. Okay, like handbags. And I don't have any problem with handbags. My mother had quite a few handbags. And most of you appear to have... You see, I thought you'd just have one handbag. But no, you've got loads of handbags. I turned on QVC and... Uh, actually, Will Houston was on there the other day. I've seen him loads of times. And it's all, um, it's all handbags. Handbags. And most women have probably got about ten handbags. Anyway, so I go to Selfridges. And in this section downstairs, just by the very expensive watch department, they're selling handbags. But this is like what I call a cocktail handbag. It's probably just big enough to get your mobile phone in and probably a packet of cigarettes or a packet of pepper, peppermint, excuse me, or something like that. But anyway, the good thing about this handbag is, which is quite square, it's got all these little lights studded into it, which, which change colour. And I'm looking at it, I said to a friend, I said, look at that. I had, I'd have bought it. I would have bought it. A handbag with lights. I couldn't justify it. You couldn't take it anywhere. I just thought, if you're walking out on the town, a handbag with lights in it was the best thing ever. I said, I looked at the price. Now, this thing, I promise you, was about pff, less than a foot by about three inches. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's what they call a cocktail bag, just for keeping your, you know, a couple of essentials in. £550, this bag was. And they come in boxes. And it's obviously a well-known make. I'd never heard of it. It was, it was a woman's name. And they were so expensive. Then we picked up another bag, which had... Like a snow globe on the outside. So it was a, another layer and you shook the bag. A bit bizarre, isn't it? £800, that one was, for a bag! 800 You girls must have more money than sense. £800 for a bag. I mean, you can go to Tesco and get a really strong carrier bag for 10p and take that out. Don't just have all these flash bags everywhere. But the one that lit up was definitely my favourite. But I thought, £500. I can't justify it. If I walked in there, I'd be laughed at the building. You know, people would be sort of saying, what have you got there? I'd go, it's my handbag that lights up, isn't it? News is next. On FM, conversation with Steve Allen. Can't get enough of Matt Cardle's new album, you know. It really is good. I listened to it again in the car the other day, and it's, it's really a good album. Very, very strong indeed. Not at all surprised it's doing, uh, it's doing very, very well. Uh, thank you for all your texts and uh, emails. I have to uh, tell you that... Uh, who went to see Rock of Ages? Oh, Noreen went to see Rock of Ages. Little Julie, Lizzie, Michael, Winnie and me. One of us, she says, fell asleep during the show. <laughs> God. Listen, don't, 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 don't worry about it. 
I've done it. And uh, Lizzie nudged me, and the pair of us were giggling like six-year-olds. At the other, at the other end, the couple next to Winnie were arguing, eventful. <laughs> Michelle was at work till midnight on Saturday night. I've fallen asleep in theatre. I'm terrible. I'm absolutely terrible. I sit there, the lights go down, and I just... I can nod off. I can... I, seriously, I can nod... I can fall... I was talking to somebody the other day about going to sleep. I thought, I can fall asleep anywhere. Shelley in Brentford says, uh, if you need an excuse to buy that handbag with the lights, may I drop a subtle hint? It's my birthday tomorrow. <laughs> Hello to all the Facebookers. So, thank you, Shelley in Brentford. Brentford. Where do your lights go up? I can't remember when ours go up in Twickenham. I think that probably the end of the... Uh, end of the month. Adam and Mark Cook. Haven't listened before. Driving to work with the army in Warminster. Warminster? That sounds like a made-up name, doesn't it? Warminster. Like a dad's army made-up name. He said, I'm not sure if you're trying to be funny, but I'm in stitches. Uh, I don't actually have to try at all, really. It's just it's, it's a natural gift, you know. Uh, so we were asking before what... Uh, thank you, anyway, guys. And uh, he says, we think Bruce needs to put his feet up. Maybe O'Dreary could step in. Oh, God, I hope not. Oh, no, he's better. Let's, let's confine him to the X Factor, where he's sort of talking to children and young people. That's just on the panel. Maybe much safer. We talk about Spanish and how uh, the Spanish, you know, they've had bullfighting, and uh, they've had the uh, the town where they drop a donkey from the top of the church tower. This is a religious festival. It's all under the guise of religious festivals. And uh, the latest one is this bull. 400 years they've been doing it. They tie these things to its horn. They set fire to it, and this poor thing goes absolutely demented. And they laugh, and a band plays, and people clap and cheer, because they're a bit stupid like that. And, uh, and I said, it's about time. We boycotted loads of stuff from Spain. You know, I mean, the, I mean, the Spanish who were over here, I think that, that that's probably OK. We, 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 we can cope with things like that. But sadly, we have their bank, Santander, which didn't buy the Royal Bank of Scotland. Phew! Relief all round there. Uh, the O2 Mobile Network, uh, Telefonica. Lots of our fruit is Spanish and leather. Oh. See, that's the trouble. It's the fruit, isn't it? Can we get the fruit somewhere else? Let's go somewhere. Should, should we go to... Uh, let's go to Amer- uh, America for the fruit. Let's go to Florida for all the oranges and things like that. But uh, fighting, bullfighting, is bad in most districts, says Andy. Thank goodness for that. Thank goodness. Uh, grapes and pomegranates, especially at Morris and Steve, are from Spain. And Terry and Ryslip tells me cheap refillable clipper lighters are made in Spain. <laughs> not going to change my life over a clipper lighter, I have to tell you. It, it's just not going to happen. Uh, 84850, Stephen Harlington says the fiasco with Lord McAlpine shows that uh, all these allegations against Jimmy Savile could also be false. Oh, no, I said earlier on, I mean, I have no doubt... Um, that that many people are telling the truth, but there will be a number of people who are just making it up. There will be a number of people who who go, that's the person. They, they, they'll see a picture of somebody on the television and go, that, that's, the, that's the man when I was at this TV show. And then afterwards they go, oh, maybe it wasn't. Well, let's face it, most of us can't remember last Thursday. Um, uh, I agree, Steve. Matt Cardle's album is great. Oh, good, I'm glad you... I mean, I, seriously, I, I, I listened to it because I hadn't heard it when he came in to do the interview with me. And uh, so, and I, and I put it on one side to listen to, and I had the military wives to listen to, and I had Matt Cardle, and I had uh, Ryu, some bloke Ryu plays a violin, Andre Ryu. So I've got that album as well, which is okay. That's all right. It's, it, it's obviously a visual thing. You need to see it. Matt Cardle's album is sensational, though. He's got a great voice. I've gone off the bloke on the X Factor. You're the one who sings with a very high-pitched voice. I'm beginning to think, how many songs can you annihilate by singing in about five different keys? It was novel first time round, and it was lovely. I'm now running out of steam with it. I'm, I've, I've now sort of... I've lost the will to live on that one, I'm afraid. So that doesn't work for me. It does not work for me. Um, uh, apparently, in America, says Jeremy, they ride the bull for the show. Yes, I've seen that bull riding. It's not quite the same as setting fire to its horns, though, is it? 
I think the setting fire to the horns is is possibly one of the cruelest things. It's like taunting an animal before it's before it's uh, you know murdered, executed, annihilated, whatever you want to call it. Uh, 84850. I couldn't help but mention to Lorraine, how come that bloke jumped out of a balloon 24 miles high and walked away? And here's you not even 24 inches up, and all that happens. We did laugh eventually. <laughs> it's after she fell off the wall. I mean, honestly, fell off a wall. I've done that before, though. I've fallen off. Don't, don't, don't think you're unique in it. I've fallen off walls. I didn't pass out, though, thank goodness. Um, Still you're trying to get over people from... Actually, I missed a birthday over the weekend. Somebody wrote to me and said, listen, it's my partner, Joe Schneider's birthday, a long-time die-hard fan of the show, and it's a special birthday, <coughs> 40, and uh, it would make her day, <coughs> 40, if you could uh, mention it on Sunday. Unfortunately, I couldn't, so I thought if I, if I, if I did it now, that's OK, because uh, they have a new baby, apparently. Elliot, so you've got Stephen and Elliot... And, uh, and now Joe Schneider as well, celebrating her birthday. <coughs> 40. Uh, <coughs> sorry, I pr- promised I wouldn't mention 40, actually, ever again. They've got some conjuring at the court going on, and uh, they have um, a website. They've got a good line-up, actually. This is John Archer. Fabulous. I mean, we used him for one of my Magic Circle uh, charity shows. He's touring with uh, Tim Vine. Great hit on Penn and Teller. Very, very good. If you want uh, details, this is over in West Ealing, and it's conjuringatthecourt.com. Tickets are just ten quid, and uh, because it's such a good lineup, it'll sell out very quickly. It's not a huge place. It's not not big, big venue, not big, big venue. Conjuring at the court dot com. Actually, I was suddenly uh, reminded when I listened to Nadine Doris on our new. What a boring voice she's got. What a dull voice. And oh, me, 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 me. Dullard she is, I'm afraid. Oh, dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Eight four eight five zero. Uh, X-Factor old Dreary was so rude to one of the members of last night's band members, he literally dragged him across the stage to join the other members. Randolph, that is shameful. That is so shameful. It's not very good. Incidentally, if you've never been to the uh, Central Hall Westminster, this coming Thursday, Friday, which I think is the 15th and 16th, they've got the Household Division bands who are performing two concerts. And, in fact, uh, Charles... uh, wrote to me. This is uh, Sergeant Charles Hancock, and all the money goes to the Household Division Charities, and uh, some of the finest military musicians in the world. Don't take my word for it. You only had to see the evidence over the weekend of just how good Household Division bands are. So, memorable year for Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Barnwell, Senior Director of Music, and uh, they've done the Olympic Games, the uh, the Diamond Jubilee for Her Majesty. And so now the combined forces of all seven bands of the Household Division on the concert platform at the Central Hall Westminster. I mean, it will be fantastic. If you love military music and you love watching a live band, it's worth going to see. And that's this coming Thursday and Friday. How you get tickets, I've got no idea. I suppose you could try and contact... My friend Stuart Riding's down there, actually, at the Central Hall Westminster. I've played that place many, many times. It's a lovely venue. Holds about 2,000 people. I thought, oh, it'll be packed out. It'll be great. So if you love military bands and you want to go see the Household Division, you, they, they, they come with a pedigree, all of their own, and uh, the combined forces of all seven bands. It will be fantastic. I mean, I suppose, because they've got the Scarlet and gold uniforms, I think they're about as much of uh, London as Big Ben, Black Cabs and Red Buses. 
So Scarlet and Gold will indeed be a great show. And all the proceeds go to the Household Division Charities. So good luck to uh, the guys. I'm assuming it's just guys. I can't remember if they've got girls in those military bands. God, I'll get them into trouble later, won't I? So we say, of course you've got girls in the military bands. I mean, I suppose it's entirely possible. Sorry about that. Uh, Steve, uh, I think Claudia Winkleman is very funny and a good entertainer. Why not move with the times and have her front strictly? Uh, we no longer need a man as lead, says Alan. Ah, oh, you see, interesting. Interesting that you, um that you're not a big fan of Brucey. Or you're one of these people that thinks that Bruce should retire. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. It's, it's not good, is it? Not good. Not good at all, I'm afraid. Another one here. Christine says, wish my mum well. She's in Bristol Royal Infirmary. And Peter in Romford said, Strictly is at Wembley Arena next week with Kylie and Girls Aloud making an appearance. Oh, how ghastly. Girls Aloud. I got an email the other day from somebody saying, would you like to book tickets for Girls Aloud? I said, I'd rather pull my fingernails out, thank you very much, with, with hydrochloric acid. LBC 7. LBC 97.3. Nick and the uh, team, they're going to be looking at uh, Newsnight. They're going to have to, really, I suppose, because you have to ask the, uh, the question, what next for the, the BBC? How many disasters? Apparently the new guy's taken over at the moment. He'll be uh, in the office today. He's got no journalistic experience whatsoever. Nice person, but uh, that's not the job that he was going for. Uh, Nick Boys will be looking at the uh, papers for Nick this morning. I'll run through the uh, headlines in a moment. Uh, can they recover at Newsnight? Should they axe the programme? Will Jeremy Paxman leave? I mean, you would have thought Jeremy Paxman would have had some sort of say and in, in, in the, the journalistic standards, you would hope, would be at the very top of their profession. You know, that, that's what you would assume. You know, when you talk about Newsnight, you do talk about a programme that is at the top of its game. And you'd be saying, you know, if they make mistakes, what hope? What hope for anybody at all? Uh, coming up with Susan Bookbinder this morning at 6.30, Andrew Gilligan will be asking what next for the BBC. They'll be looking at the political reaction to the head of the BBC resigning. And I suppose the big question is... Uh, why has he been given money? They didn't fire him. He walked of his own volition. Why should he get any money at all? The answer is, we don't know. Arthur says, did your photographer and Chris take pictures at the Remembrance Service? Yes, as he is firmly ensconced at the uh, Royal Albert Hall. Yes, he takes uh, all the pictures and he will have taken those yesterday. They'll also, with Nick this morning, talking about private schools. Do they offer a better education? Somebody will be saying yes. That's a journalist who specialises in education. And, uh, and some people say, no, state schools are just as good. It depends on the parents, which, of course, I suppose it, uh, it must do. Starbucks in Japan have unveiled some posh leather cup sleeves as part of a charity drive. I wish they'd do it over here, although some second thoughts, Starbucks makes so much money anyway. don't know why they need to sort of um, do leather cup holders, but they're doing this to supply, uh, to supply support to those affected by the earthquake and the tsunami. And uh, I think they're also doing exactly the same over at Costa. They're, they're just trying to uh, to raise some money, although the, the limited amount of tax that they pay, I thought they were they were well able to actually give it. I wish they'd do leather cup holders over here. Something a little bit more exciting would be quite nice. But uh, having now discovered there's, you know, so many of these companies that are using all these legal loopholes, not really a lot you can do about it, is it? Uh, I saw Lenny Henry's one-man show, so show for Dennis, at the Grove Theatre in Dunstable. Very funny show. Yes, I can imagine he's very good by himself. I can imagine he's very good. Very good. Because when we had him on for In Conversation, and don't forget, the Bill Tarme conversation, I think it's November, they forgot the date now. Was it the 5th of November? I think it came up on In Conversation. You must listen to it, because he's, he's a, such a lovely man. Of course, we lost him over the weekend. 
Somebody else agreeing with me about Matt Cardle's uh, first album, Letters, also brilliant. Yes, I mean, I, th- I thought he'd really good, really good. Ella says, a bit late today, heard you talking about Strictly. How about Zoe Ball and Anton to present? We don't want Tony Beak presenting anything, thank you very much indeed. Oh, no, 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 no. Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, Mag says, I'm sure most people would happily annihilate The Voice, which announces Neighbours on Home and Away on Channel 5. Yes, the only reason I mention voices is because this Nadine Doris has got one of the most awfully irritating voices. And again, in the jungle, all she's talking about is herself, 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 herself. Very dull and dreary. Uh, lovely Decky says, Jill in Greenhithe at Blue Water made me smile. Len taught my girls to dance in Dartford. He's always a lovely guy. Yeah, we had him for in conversation. He's, you're right. He's absolutely lovely. What you see is what you get. I noticed that uh, somebody said to me, he said, w- w- would you not be interested in going to see Girls Aloud? <laughs> yeah, right. Say, I'd rather dip my head in liquid toffee than go along and watch that bunch of old has-beens miming their act on stage. No, thank you very much indeed. I've had quite enough of Cheryl Cole and <clears throat> Sarah Harding in and out of rehab. And she's got a new boyfriend, apparently. Give that one about five minutes. Mind you, I suppose all these... Perhaps they like rehab. Tara Palmer Tomkinson's gone in again, hasn't she, I believe? This poor girl spends most of her life in there. It's a shame, really. Perhaps she hasn't got any friends, I don't know. Um, so lots of deckies out. Yes, the only ones that we've got in Twickenham are at, uh, at Sandy's. He's, he's got everything. And a lot of people are telling me, well, in fact, one person, actually, who's doing the books for the Queen's Cleaner? Eight till one equals five hours times six days. Well, they don't do six days a week. They're only doing five days a week, Monday through Friday. So that's where you've, you've screwed up. So it's it's 25 hours a week, I'm afraid, not... Not the 30 hours a week, which you thought it was. Uh, more than a million foreign motorists who live in Britain are driving without having passed a UK test. I'm sure I get some of them in the morning. Some of the ways we whiz over traffic lights. I, I sit there, head in hand, thinking, oh, my God. You know, you start worrying about these kind of things. It does worry me, actually. I think I'm a really good driver. I think, In fact, I think I'm brilliant. I think I'm a very, very good driver. It was all kicking off in Coronation Street, I'm afraid, the other night. I missed it. And this is because uh, Jason Grimshaw... Jason Grimshaw, where did they get these names from? Actually, I was watching a very good... It must have been an old an old show from years ago, and it was about a family who've got a sweet shop up north. It's all, it's all flat caps and whippets and stuff like that. And one of the daughters has got herself in the family way, and the father's gone mentally. It's very good. I was quite gripped by it, actually. But anyway, Jason Grimshaw has discovered that his girlfriend, Maria, has been romping with her gay best mate, Marcus Dent. Marcus Dent is apparently gay in Coronation Street and doesn't go out with, with the girlies, and, uh, but it has been with, with Jason's bit, and that's Maria. And so uh, then they had a bit of a fight in the, in the pub over... Um, over was, morning. Um, over, I thought they were having a fight over it because he couldn't believe it. You know, a gay guy fancying his, his girlfriend. And so Charlie Condu who plays Marcus, says, in the script it was just supposed to be a punch across the table. But then a fight coordinator came over and said, I want you to punch him across the table, drag him against the bar, slam him into the bar, and then drop him to the floor. Then you kick him, pick him up, and smash his head against the bar. Sounds a bit dramatic, doesn't it, for, uh, for Coronation Street, I'm afraid. But he says, so I actually kicked him in the head. It's lovely, isn't it? It's all, it's all going off in Coronation Street. Blimey. Absolutely terrible. I don't need these sort of things going on, do we? It's not really that believable anyway. But uh, at least they make the effort. Uh, very quickly, let's just whiz through. Front pages of the paper today, Daily Express. We must get a grip, says the BBC chairman, as the crisis grows. 
Uh, the coldest winter yet. Royals leading the tribute to our fall. Can't keep it in the trousers. Uh, Jungle Helen's secret sex plot. Uh, somebody's calling to axe the BBC licence fee. Oh, I don't know. I'm finding it very entertaining at the moment. Very, very entertaining. The, uh, the Mirror, called Live Slot, was in fact pre-recorded back in August, which, you know, would make perfect sense because they're, uh, they were actually away. Uh, the BBC bosses is quit. She actually had a shower. This apparently makes front page. And battered BBC boss Lord Patton admitted last night he is toast if he fails to clear up the sex abuse scandal. It's going to run and run, isn't it, this one? Will he keep his job? They'll be discussing that later with uh, Nick Ferrari and uh, loads of other people. Have a great day. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. We'll have a free podcast for you very, very shortly. Nick and the team with you at 7, next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. I love it. I love it. I love it. Adore your floor. At Jordan's Wood Floor Warehouse in Pearlyway, Croydon, you'll find over 400 beautiful wood floors and more than 50 laminates on display. And with 30,000 square metres in stock, you can see it, love it and take it away. Solid oak flooring from 19.99 a square metre. Laminates from 6.99 a square metre. 